What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have our 2021 Two White Lights Award Show, our very first complete award show. At first, we just gave out awards for Guest of the Year, but now we have a whole lot of awards and a whole lot of debate, a whole lot of contentious debate between me and Steve DeNovi. Very, very fun way to recap and put 2021 to an end. We have more content being dropped because we have our guest of the year being dropped tomorrow. I think you guys can even guess who that is. And also, we're thinking about having a live show close to New Year's Eve, truly recapping and putting an end to this 2021 powerlifting year. But the awards we give out, you know, your awards for storyline of the year, best male, best female lifter, best individual lifts, best coach, all those official awards. But, of course, we had to do our special two white lights awards like troll of the year meme page of the year bad journalism moments of the year best social media posts of the year there was a lot of great best group chat so there was a lot of those really fun two white lights special awards and this is a long episode so keep you occupied throughout your holiday season whatever travel you're doing you know a solid two hours worth of content for you and again, a great way to recap what has been a very successful 2021 for Two White Lights. A lot of stuff we have already covered. And yeah, a great way to um, finish off this year. And before we get into that episode, got to talk to you guys about Leffler Bros. If we can give an award on the best apparel company of the year, Leffler Bros definitely takes it because they continuously come up with new, fresh, dope designs, new drops. They just dropped their Bloom crew neck. My girlfriend already stole that from me, so that happened. And I'm currently wearing the joggers that she loves. And also, you can look the same way. You can look good in the gym. You can look good on the platform. You can look outside, uh, good outside of the gym if you use promo code 2WL15 to get yourself some Leffler Bros merchandise. I am going through the collections, and I just love Every single thing they are dropping and what they've dropped, the Cosmic Bros, the Deadlift Socks that have gotten a whole lot of publicity, the Dad Hats, the Fanny Packs, the Joggers, the Tank Tops, everything has been gold this year from Leflar Bros. So use that promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money and also get yourself some 2 white lights merch on LeflarBros.com too. So if you go to the website, you can go shop, but that's going to directly bring you to LeflarBros.com and check out the collection there of all the different things that 2 white lights has dropped throughout, 20, uh, throughout 2021 because you have our banners that are dropped, the dad hats, and also the Twitching Out t-shirts, the Off the Top Rope tee, the Fight Night tee, the original logo. You can get all that on leftlarbros.com. So fill your shopping cart up with Leftlar Bros merchandise and Two White Lights merchandise and use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. And that is definitely the year's best promo code and the best promo code in powerlifting bar none. Also, make sure you're going to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear stoic gear is what i wear in the gym and the platform because it's the best quality gym equipment there is knee sleeves singlets wrist wraps they are the best also they are most affordable it could be even more affordable if you use promo code angelo 10 to save yourself some money at checkout i am telling you they are the breakout gear company of powerlifting stoic gear has really come on the scene in 2021 and for good reason they only drop quality quality merchandise so use that promo code angelo 10 to save yourself some money and also 
Visit NotoriousLift.com to get yourself some no-slip drip Notorious Lift slippers. Use promo code ANG15. They just had their last drop of the year, and they continuously come out with new colorways, new designs. Use promo code ANG15 on any purchase. If they do another drop by the year's end, I don't know if there's going to be a new drop, but those restocks always come. Use that same promo code ANG15 to get the best-looking slippers and the best quality for performance slippers in powerlifting right now. Look good deadlifting, deadlift well, you will not regret it. I'm telling you, you want to sign up for the newsletter as well because you don't want to miss out on those drops because those drops have quick, quick sellouts. So use that promo code ANG15 on NotoriousLift. It's ANG15 to save yourself some money. Also, subscribe on Spotify, follow on Spotify, subscribe on my Apple Podcast, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, and also definitely subscribe on twowhitelights.com. We appreciate everyone who subscribed this year and been a part of Two White Lights. We have saw the boom in listeners and followers, and we cannot thank you enough for that. It has been a fantastic year for Two White Lights, and we have you, the listeners and fans, to thank. So keep doing it, and we'll keep coming out with new designs, or not new designs, new content, new episodes, and try to make Two White Lights even better for 2022. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I am joined by Steve Denovi. It's been a great year for powerlifting. It's been an even better year for Two White Lights, in my opinion. And we have some awards. Our year-end awards, our first award show episode. The only awards we gave were guests of the year prior to this. But now we got a lot of them. Yeah, I think I think the content this year just demanded it. We had too much fun. We had too much things to talk about to just give just simply just best lifter. Uh, we've got a bunch of fun ones. We've got a bunch of serious ones. we got a bunch of uh, two white light specialties. I mean, bad journalist moment of the year is an obvious one we have to do. I mean, yeah. after all that happened this year, it only seems fitting. Troll of the year, best meme account. All that kind of stuff. And I mean, even going back to like local media of the year, we obviously, I, I mean, I want I, to credit to an extent to White Lights for really kind of helping to kind of drive ideas of um, what local meat should be and pushing the primetime stuff. And we saw that really catch on this year. So there's just a lot of cool stuff. And so we want to have some fun with this, but we also want to highlight um, some people who, who really deserve the recognition for, for really helping to kind of step up and, and make powerlifting what it was this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, it was a great year and we have a lot of, I mean, we just have a lot of uh, things to talk about within this year. And we're also going to get on Twitch and do a bit of a live episode with this as well to get more fan interactions and questions and a little bit more of a looser and formal year end with we're going to try to get some guest appearances on to uh, just based on if we are able to do it. Cause I think, no, we struggled with Twitch, but yes, we have our two white lights awards. 
A lot of these were created. Some of these were voted on a council. This is very serious stuff. We'll probably post them, see if the listeners disagree with us. But like every awards, whether they go from MLB, NBA, NFL, the fans sometimes disagree with the decisions made by the all-powerful organization, and we are that all-powerful organization. And also, the people who vote on the MVPs in, in sports are also, most of them are just bad journalists. Anyways, yeah, so I mean, we see what there. we see what happens when uh, what is it? The NBA, like uh, Yao Ming, would wit- top vote every year if you let people vote, even well, yeah. if he wasn't even playing. Well, the also, time. That, well, that's what happens when we let the listeners vote. Like <laughs> we, we we respect your opinion, but it just it, some of the people that get voted for are just kind of ridiculous. That's why we need a council of experts all, all, of, of seasoned veterans and biased opinions. Also, I mean, powerlifting has, if, if powerlifting has strong people, I think the second thing powerlifting has is dedicated trolls. And with our two white lights troll of the year, we're, we're, we're almost giving that, we're giving them credit, but we know that they could just troll the voting and get enough people to vote for someone that maybe skew the vote and piss us off a little bit. So yeah, we gotta we gotta diminish that. Oh yeah, I remember the NHL uh, All Star game where the fans voted captains, and all the fans because they became me, uh, social media savvy during this time, they just voted for John Scott, who was like a six foot ten tough guy who only fought and couldn't really skate. They just plopped him on the ice to punch someone in the face, and then they voted him <laughs> the team captain with Patrick Kane. So and then, and, that, and that happened, like that actually happened. So. This, yeah, sports fans troll organizations, and we're 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 trolls ourselves. So you know you can't BS a BSer. Correct. All right. Well, let's get this thing started. Let's get the debate begins because me and Steve have to debate on these as well. Um, and you know, I know when we post some winners, uh, we'll probably get some debates as well. So the first one, are we doing podcast story of the year? Yeah, let me preface one thing because we'll, we'll do podcast story of the year, but then we're going to do a bunch of like lifter ones. Um, we're doing uh, everyone combined. So we're not discriminating against USAPL versus untested versus IPF. We debated about that. Uh, honestly, I think only USAPL listened to us at this point. I think um, the untested people have disowned us. Uh, we might be uh, banned from the IPF. So I, we might not, if you listen to our podcast, you may get a six month suspension from the IPF. But mm-hmm. Just to be fair, we did uh, try to include everyone, so we're not doing like untested awards and then tested awards. Well, they're all they're all combined. Well, hold on. I mean, I may, I might I might have to save this for our uh, our our uh, bad journalism moment of the year, but I, I'm going to be commentating hybrid. So there's that. So Garrett Garrett actually called me, and he, we got to fight. So apparently, we did a good enough job where we're not completely banned from hybrid. And covering on test of powerlifting. Based on the rosters, I feel like Hybrid's the one we'd be invited to, though. I, looking at, uh, are you still doing Ghost Clash? I don't know. I gotta get. I gotta get confirmation on if that's not happening. Or not. I don't think I am anymore. But it was discussed that I was. Based on the Ghost Clash roster, that's the one we get banned from. Yeah, I know. I figured as much, but I mean, well, I mean, I'm I'm open to do both. But that's that was that was my big uh, thing. Like, oh my god, we got shit on so much for hybrid. And I would be I would love to have the two white lights, uh, two white lights <laughs> presence there. But um, yeah, we had to combine the two. I mean, if we do both, it would be like a 
three hour long episode, and also I don't want to do that. And I think the the uh, the the debate will get re- like a little bit uh, repetitive and redundant. And also, I think I think we'll even if we decide winners and the correct winners, people on the untested side will get pissed off. Anyways, we'll fuck up in one way or the other. So, yeah. Pretty much. I'd rather just say that the tested lifters are better than untested and pick all of them over the untested just to piss them off in the same voting. That would be more fun. That's more fun than me, which is pretty much what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have the podcast stories of the year. We actually, uh, like, one of our stories actually may shine light on why we could be banned from banned from uh, the untested side of powerlifting. We have our first nomination, USAPL Nationals Lifetime Membership Buy-In. If you guys remember that episode, it pretty much made me almost throw my laptop out of the room and that was one of the first times though that was one of our first episodes together was that and yet we also thought that was going to get us possibly banned from the usapl and it did the opposite like yeah. that was that might have been like the start of them listening and us becoming a, a, a usapl favored podcast yeah and also us favoring the usapl in a lot of ways because they did listen to it they they had our they had their disagreements which they're definitely entitled to um but yeah we've after that episode, we've actually harbored a pretty good relationship with the USAPL, and we became more of an active member in it, too. Like, the NGB meeting, I, I saw the people who, you know, created this idea or this idea and this way to get into nationals, or it wasn't really a way to get nationals, they just added it in there. I saw these people, and I'm like, man, I love the podcast. And then I felt like a dick. Because they're like, they're like, oh, your podcast is so great. I'm like, you missed the ones where I yelled at you guys, right? Like, hopefully. And uh, now they listen to all of them. And, you know, and again, attending that meeting, had a big respect for them. But that was like three episodes long of me bitching and moaning about me possibly not getting into nationals and me getting pissed off that uh, the, the rankings and the invites and all that stuff uh, created a few enemies here and there that I think I didn't burn a bridge completely. Uh, Tina Tornado. That's 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 another one there that I might have created an enemy out of, of with a few of the episodes. But yeah, that was a great episode. Or it was a great podcast story. We really had a lot of content out of that. Your first episodes of Two White Lights was me yelling into my screen and me like having to take breaks because I was getting so mad. All those edits was just I, me like I broke I broke a piece of furniture in my house. And I had to go fix it. Well, we talked about how like even well. We came back around and said maybe we overreacted a bit, but we also talked about how like there's there's a possibility that because of our overreaction, a lot of people didn't sign up and a lot of great meets came out of it. Yeah. Like I don't want to take credit that like Carolina Primetime came out of that episode, but like I, I believe because of like the the media the media and social media attention that that all got mm-hmm. that we got things like Carolina Primetime, we got things like I forget Garrett's meet the indie, I forget what he called Who's it. Like, we had the, the USPA one. Yeah. Um, do we, do we even have those if we didn't if that wasn't made a big deal and kind of like yeah. ranted about? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why. I mean, that's why they got the, we got the title the Powerlifters Podcast because Powerlifters listen to it, and we actually have we we have been uh, kind of in the middle of like some changes in the sport, and it's been influenced with not what we're doing, but what when people come on the show. And what they say their ideas are. That's the bigger influence is when people come on and kind of share their experience because they're powerlifters, because they're meat directors and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think uh, that was kind of the st- – I mean, that was the start of 2021, right? Was the uh, – yeah. <laughs> was was that – was the qualifying totals because I was just amped at – I was going to get to nationals. I'm like, holy shit, there's a possibility I don't. And, yeah, that was 
that was really the start of 2021 actually because of that episode one of the other great episodes was and this is not one of the nominations because it all kind of encompasses was Garrett and Sean Noriega ironically what would it take for us to leave the USAPL like that was that was how we started the 2021 and who would have thought that it was the USAPL leaving the IPF <laughs> that how 2021 yeah. would end for two highlights and that brings us to our second nomination yeah, second nominations IPF versus USAPL, which is pretty much all of 2021. That literally, I mean, really, yeah. Two white lights was a that. story we talked. We can't even say like it's not a story. It's it's legitimately like dozens of stories of us talking IPF versus USAPL, starting with Sean and Garrett. Then we had the episode um, that really, even I think it was like the first kind of rumors of it we had with Marcellus and Joe and talked about. It. And that's when I was still I was still kind of pro IPF at that point. Yeah, you were. Um, <laughs> I was still pro IPF um, and uh, definitely that changed um, as the year progressed and we learned more on the IPF and um, during our live show, I think some people, I'm not going to get into it now during our live show. If you want to tune in, there's some stuff. I don't think people know that the IPF just did recently um, no. that we might talk about a little bit um, yeah. and have some fun. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much of that's confidential, but uh, yeah, that it's, I don't know how much of it is because I mean, if I've heard of I, the, it, the, the main part of it is not. I've heard that enough, so we'll okay. talk, I'll, we'll leave it at that, and I will say at least one thing, not all of it, just one thing that happened um, that is not confidential because I've heard it go around on our live show. If you want to know uh, what the IPF is doing to shoot themselves in the foot currently, yeah. Um, so but yeah, I mean, literally the majority of like we. We constantly had content this year. I don't even know what we're going to do next year. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we don't gotta, have this. Like, yeah, we don't. That was. We have to actually create shit on our own. We have to actually be cre- content creators because I don't think we did. We don't. We 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 did a lot of con- content creation. You know, with the uh, with the March Madness kind of stuff and the football team and you know the comparisons and the episodes and the episode ideas and the hot takes, all that kind of stuff. Like it was it was created. But it was like storylines dropped into our laps while we were recording because the USAPL make a Instagram post or a press release. And it was so recent that we would have to get on a podcast and talk about it and give our takes on it and, you know, kind of update the viewers on and listeners on what's going on, what we think is going to happen and what we've heard. Um Again, shall I dare say that first episode there with uh, with Marcellus and Joe, like, I think a lot of that was a lot of that was heard and a lot of that was listened and a lot of people did uh disagree with what we said in that episode which I makes sense but after that we had the president of the USAPL on to talk about a pro series not specifically he came on to talk about the current state of USAPL and IPF but he mentioned a pro series in that episode and that kind of got people interested and at the end of 2021 we saw it so it's it is a crazy development that would happen there but yeah that was god i think two white lights was just kind of like that was our identity for a while was just talking about the usapl and ipf and of uh, the updates and stories and our takes on it and a lot of that i think was uh listened to and the listeners uh, like either adopted some of our ideas and promoted it or other people were just like, no, we don't like what you guys are promoting here. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
that that episode with Joe and Joe and Marcel's, I think that initiated kind of some of the contact we started having with USA focus and Josh came on mm-hmm. that was the first one. Josh Rohr yeah. came on. Um, Cause he, I know he reached out to you and Joe after that episode. And then we started, you started talking to Larry. Then it led to us being part of the uh, little board meeting that talked about the initial pro series. Um, uh, I mean, this isn't like, I don't think this is like confidential. I'm now the team leader for the media team of mm-hmm. the international committee yeah. um, for USAPL. So we're, we're going to be uh, announcing some really cool stuff um, regarding that soon. Cause honestly, I really don't know what I'm doing yet with that. I just know what I am, yeah. but I can tell you that there is some very, very, very interesting things going on in the international side of what that could be um, a lot more uh, than I thought there was. Um so yeah, I mean, and hopefully that, that that might be our our thing next year is talking about the 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 growth and expansion of the pro series and kind of how that kind of continues, um, as well as the possible international presence of the USAPL. That's probably going to give us our, our interesting facts, yeah, or our interesting stories. Yeah, well, on Twitch we'll probably talk about two white lights goals for twenty twenty two, but um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a really big one there, and then um, with our third nomination. Which uh, which generated some some steam in the powerlifting world was no one should ever promote steroids uh, in powerlifting or other strength sports and that episode with the views and the listens did very very good with the ratings but you know the content or the comments in the uh, in in this Instagram post you know got a lot of people talking and a lot of people. Uh, Deferring viewpoints, I went on a sane podcast to talk about it too. So it got a lot of people's interest, and it, uh, I, I, I think one those were one of the that was a podcast a lot of people were looking forward to, and it was one of those great episodes where it was like kind of split down the middle, like for people listening to Two White Lights and what side they were taking. Yeah, it probably solidified us as USAPL elitists. That was probably the final straw. Well, we were, but, yeah, we were labeled that like as soon as we covered hybrid. <laughs> that was that. But, I'm like, how no, the was, fuck are was, we? Like, how was how would anything we say make us USAPL elitists? Like, we, we had two two shows ago, we just talked about maybe we'll leave the USAPL for USPA. But uh, yeah, we we had that label for a long time. That might have cemented it to a point. That, that episode is interesting because I have some friends that aren't like power lifters who don't, don't listen to two white lights, but that they, they saw that episode and then that was the one that they listened to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's you per, I mean, you're, you're the guy who actually comes up with the titles cause you know, the clickbait kind of stuff. Uh, and that was, that's perfect clickbait. But yeah, I think anyone just, if you're a fan of strain sports, you would probably want to listen to that episode or just the person who, either interested in steroids, if you're a sports fan, like it's something that is unique to the sport where we have one side of the sport that is untested. And by the fact that it's untested, you have the promotion of steroids. So it's an interesting debate. And I think it's one that not a lot of people want to have because steroids is still kind of taboo to talk about, but also people don't want to burn bridges with the sport. And you might burn a bridge with the sport if you talk about that. Um, so I think that's why that podcast was, you know, well-received and good and people enjoy listening to it. And also maybe that's why weightlifting and powerlifting doesn't have a real great shot of being in the Olympics, especially powerlifting. <laughs> yes, yeah. because we're not, I don't, I don't think skateboarding has widespread, uh, steroid use and that's how they got in. Yeah, I think they likely have a, a very low level of steroid use for their kickflips. Yeah, yeah, it really 
it really, it really didn't. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think they're all like high ninety percent of the time, but that's different. Um, I don't know if that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, THC is probably legal, right? Uh, at least like uh, in most of those states. But like uh, for yeah, for that that recent decision, I'm like, guy, I don't, I don't know what you guys were expecting. Like, weightlifting doesn't promote steroids, and they, you know are out of the next Olympics and they have to fix some things with the current drug testing systems, powerlifting, they, if they look at the sport, it promotes steroids. There's a part of the sport that promotes steroids. And it was very close for this untested steroid side of powerlifting to be on major networks like ESPN. So like it, you know, th- that stuff does matter. And maybe we shot ourselves in the foot through the like conception of powerlifting but like I think that's what's hurting. Uh, like that's what hurt you know the Olympic push too. But yeah, guys, t- check out that episode if you guys haven't. Most of you have already. But we got to decide on the podcast. I, I'm changing my. I'm changing my mind. I was originally going to do. Na- I had. Na- I've already filled most of mine out. I already had nationals lifetime membership mine as my number one. But as we talked about it. I don't think how I could go against IPF versus USAPL no. mainly because it literally shapes two white lights. Like, I don't yeah. know if, if that story isn't happening this year. I don't know if we are where we are in regards and, to what we've accomplished this year as two white lights. And in general, just the biggest story of powerlifting, in my opinion. I don't think there's been a bigger story in powerlifting this year. And actually in the past, like, five or six years, because that's a huge – that was that's a huge uh, – that's, that's a huge milestone. That's an unprecedented thing that happened was that and because i mean if you listen to other two i last episode you hear about like the ipf rule changes or the ipf policy changes that people were pissed off about and we probably blame the usapl for them because we didn't know any better i didn't know any better because i was you know kind of a dumbass apf lifter at that time but it's funny like it always kind of came up like maybe the usapl should just leave the ipf and it's like, yeah, it'll never happen, but maybe you should just do that. And, you know, I it really early episodes that was discussed. Uh, I think Eric Stone brought it up when, you know, he was on, which is very funny. Um, the APF state direct, uh, meet, uh, state chair for the Illinois said that. Uh, you know, when Matt Wallace came on, who's a USPA lifter, he said that. And then Johnny Candido said that, too, that that's what the USAPL should do. And they did it, and there you go. Like, that's a huge, huge story and a huge milestone for powerlifting. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely on board for USAPL and IPF as the Got podcast it. story of the year. All right. That's the winner. All right. Okay. I, I say for the next ones, that one kind of needed explanations for each one. I say for these next ones, we're doing lifters. Let's do all three, and then we'll debate all three together. Like, let's announce all three nominations. Yep. 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 I agree with that. All right. So, we have 2021 Breakout Star of the Year. For the males division, we have nomination number one, Bannon Petrie, nomination number two, Dan Clements, and nomination number three, Chad Penson. This one was really difficult for me. Yeah, and, and one thing, too, is like some people are going to get left out of this. I, we have like yeah. a notable exception exclusions like because we kinda, I had to kind of figure out who we wanted to add in. I'm just going to throw out some of it. I mean, Gavin Aiden, Bob Matthews, Cameron Smith, Delaney Wallace. There, there, we, I, we could go on. There's a lot of them. So like know that we had some other ideas but yeah like breakout male performer of the year i mean we got brandon petrie honestly if he probably did what he did at nationals at 93 this wouldn't even be a question because like 
Because he well, did this, he did his meet at ninety three point eight. Like yeah. he could have made the ninety three zero class, and he totaled eight ninety five. Yeah. Dan Clements, though, actually won nationals and arguably he probably I don't know if he hit that final debt. Like, obviously, we, if you watch the Vernier Pro, he hit that final deadlift. He just lost his balance a little bit. It wasn't that hard. If he hits that final deadlift. I think it boosts him maybe to like third or fourth all of a sudden and puts his like total like way above Panna's current like un- or current world record total. Then we got Chad Penson, who obviously like. He was he was very underrated coming into this year. We had him on the show when he was still underrated because mm-hmm. mainly because he was kind of in the shadow of Hack. But I think he did so much this year that he kind of was able to get out of the shadow of Hack. Like yeah. he was actually able to break out of that and be like uh, the one B to Hack's dominance. Um, I think Chad was probably a showdown performance away from possibly winning this. But I- I'm going to say the only issue I have with Chad winning breakout performer is the fact that. He had his amazing performance at the Kernan Raps. When he came to the showdown, he didn't quite live up to it. Um, and so if I'm looking at Brandon and Dan, they were just more consistent throughout the year. They they had both of them kind of had two breakout performances. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think if you just go into the USAPL this year, you know, in saying Brandon Petrie is going to get second to Ashton Ruska at a best in, in a formula-based meet where Austin Perkins is competing at it, Bob Matthews is competing at it, Dan Clements is competing at it, Michael C. is competing at it, I'm competing at it. We were all ranked above Petrie before that. And then this meet happens, and he's w- ranked well above us. I think with the exception of, you know, like well above Bob, I think it's very close. But I don't think we would all see that. That, to me, is breakout performer. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year Chad Penson would beat Hack at the current raft, I would be like, I could see it because Chad is a very good rap squatter and very good rap lifter, and he is a very good lifter um, who was one big meets in the past. Like This is a true breakout performer in that sense, uh, Petrie. And also, same thing with Dan Clemens. If you would have told me Dan Clemens was going to break a world record this year in the 66-kilo weight class, I'd be mean, like, yeah, I'm... I'm fully expected that guy to be the like the best 66 kilo lifter in the world and one of the best uh, lifters in the world because I see the guy I saw the guy do work a long time ago. 2020 is when I saw how good Daniel Clemens was, and it was at the it was at the Arnold. Like I competed with him. Like this guy is fucking good. Like he's put together. He's solid. And Petrie, I saw him at Carolina primetime, and that meet was good. I still didn't expect him to be this good at the end of the year. I still didn't. That's break. That, uh, that's breakout for me. Yeah, I agree. And like you kind of toned to it. Like Dan Clements is a breakout candidate in the sense that most people didn't know him, but he wasn't a breakout candidate in the sense of people who had an understanding of the sport. We kind of we talked about it on our March mat. Like you kind of mentioned, we talked about it on our March mat. We kind of knew he was probably the favorite for sixty six. Like yeah. he's we we knew he was the heir apparent to the throne. Brandon, we underrated for Carolina primetime, and then I don't want to say we didn't underrate for the pro because we knew what was coming in but we didn't know what was going to happen at the pro until like a month out when we saw him hit that 700 squat and 800 deadlift and we're like oh oh brandon's on a new level now yeah if we didn't see that we would have underrated him because we would have never expected that so yeah i'm with you i think brandon is breakout performer of the year because he really literally had two breakout performances yeah um he had the breakout performance to put him in top 10 for 93s and then he had the breakout performance to literally put him as like top 10 in the 
world. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, even with overall lifter, which is a very hard thing to do is do it on formula two. Um, the person I actually might put in and kind of leapfrogging Dan is Gavin. I think Gavin actually sits a sense of a, is a breakout performer because we were really looking at Borker having the meat that Gavin had and Gavin really pushed Keiko. And I don't think we expected that at all. We were thinking him more of third and he was, he was every bit as good as Keiko was that day. Like it was razor thin. And I think the, the year he had really put him onto the scene as one of the best 93s. I actually, you know, we might add like a fourth nomination to this and put up to a vote uh, for the two white lights listeners to vote on. But Gavin to me is like a, is, is a legit, legit uh, a nomination there because like he, and he kind of almost came out of nowhere too. Like if you look at his past performances in 93, he had a really good one. And then it's like, okay, can he replicate that at Nationals? And he surpassed it, actually. Like, that to me is a huge sign of breakout. And he's 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 that guy for me up there. Uh, I, I would put Petrie up uh, uh, ahead of him, but I th- actually think he leapfrogs Daniel Clemens only in the sense that Dan was always a favorite to win 66. Like, I don't think Gavin, in anyone's mind, was a favorite to win 93, and he was really, really close to doing so. I, I don't disagree at all. The only reason, so I put most of these nominations together and then we talked about it before the episode, just a heads up um, for listeners. I reason I didn't have Gavin over Dan is mainly so uh, because if I'm choosing a 93, that was a breakout, I was choosing Brandon over Gavin. Gavin. So I just, I didn't put two 93s in there to kind of mix it up because literally we could actually argue that the 93s were as a whole, the breakout performers of the year. Mm-hmm. Cause we also had Cameron Smith. We had Bob Matthews. Um, even though now he's not 93 anymore, he was 90. Like the 93 class as a whole was kind of the breakout class of the year. I mean, we can make an argument for a lot of them, but if I was choosing one to nominate, um, I think we both agreed that Brandon was at yeah. the top of that list. Yeah, I would agree. The best, I actually, if we make a separate, the best weight class of the year, I think is 93 because I think they stole the show at nationals as far as the amount of competitors there who really showed out. I think most people are looking at the 83s and I think the 93s were the best. Uh, the 93s were the best weight class to watch. So yeah, I agree. Bo, I think we're both in agreement though. Petrie is the winner and I might put Gavin there as my, um, my like my my sneak in nomination because I think he's he's a true breakout star. I think it's, it's another one of those recency bias things too. Like we did, Gavin's IPF Worlds performance wasn't great, and that was the last meet we seen from him. But if he just ends the year with nationals and does like the pro or something, then I think we're saying we're we have a completely different um, opinion on him. And it's still very high. It's still especially, very especially high. if like. If Gavin had upped his total at IPF Worlds, we probably would have a little bit more lingering nostalgia of his recent performance, too. Yeah, yep, absolutely. But I I, I even think with that, too, I think I still have uh, Brandon winning. So that is our 2021 Breakout Male Performer of the Year, Brandon Petrie. You guys want to check out his episode it is available on two white lights and we have 2021 Breakout Female Performer of the Year. First nomination, Natalie Richards. Nomination number two, Chandler Babb. And nomination number three, Samantha Rice. So, again, lots of breakout performers. I think there's a lot of honorable mentions there. But now, now when we talk about the definition of breakout, I think Natalie Richards and Chandler Babb are, like, the best examples of that because no one knew what the what these two females were going to do at the beginning of the year. 
No, and I actually think this is kind of a Brandon versus Dan thing too, though, because Natalie, I really don't think we knew. Mm-hmm. Chandler, again, I'm going to give two white lights credits. We were the first one hyping her up as the one that was going to be the runaway uh, 69 kilo winner. We yeah. were saying that before anyone else. I don't care what anyone says. Well, at least podcast wise. Um, but she even upped what we thought. Now, up to what I thought. You picked her for IPF Worlds. I think I picked Kim Walford. Yeah. Um, so she went above and beyond there. Um, I, I would bet a lot of listeners don't know who Samantha Rice is, um, partially because uh, I feel like if you're not one of the top four untested women, you don't get much like highlights. Easy. Like, kind of like just those top. Relax. So, Relax what you're about to say. We, we got in trouble for that for the first time. I'm saying that other people are doing it. I'm trying to give some kudos here because we got Samantha Rice. She is a top 10 lifter. Um, I, I, I debated putting Hunter Henderson here, but honestly, the reason I didn't is because she had already kind of broken out. We already knew she was one of the best in the world. She just kind of like, she kind of rebroke out. Samantha Rice, though, I don't think anyone knows who she is still. Mm-hmm. Um, she, and honestly, I mean, by the reason I know is because I was at the meet. She did this um, last year at Raw, 1306. This year, she went 1421, 591 dots. I believe that might be top five all time, maybe. I might be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. I looked it up a couple weeks, like a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, if you don't know who Samantha Rice is, look her up. Um, she is likely going to be at some of those bigger meets next year, I would bet. And making, I think she's, she might be at hybrid. I think hybrid this year, maybe um hybrid showdown um but she is someone on the untested side that i think is getting very overlooked that came and joined that like kind of elite status but talking about all three like i kind of said natalie was the one that we had no idea who she was going into carolina prime time i mean like even after she did carolina prime time i don't think we understood how good that performance was until we realized she would have won nationals with that total Mm -hmm. and then she does the virginia pro and just destroys the world record total yeah chandler like i said i don't know if she came out of nowhere if you kind of were able to follow her because we knew what was kind of coming but obviously she went from like no one knew she was to being the best 69 kilo lifter in the world. Yeah. Well then it's, but I think it's when they created a new weight class, we had to find people who were competing in it and we found it's like, okay, this is the person. Yeah. We had her predicted to, to actually win nationals pretty convincingly. And then I predicted her to win worlds. Um, it's just interesting. I, again, it's, it's, uh, this word I think is going to generate controversy because I think it's just, uh, it, you can't really prove breakout. Like, it's one of the underrated overthings. Like, what's underrated and what's overthink? What qualifies as breakout? It's it's difficult for me to come up with the two. Natalie Natalie has been a fantastic lifter for a long time. I remember following her. I think she was 19 years old when I followed her. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is pure brute strength that he's got. Like, this person is going to be good. And it's a hard thing to... To actually uh, live up to the expectations, because I think people see, you know, a 19-year-old lift weights, and they're like, okay, we're expecting this 19-year-old in a few years or f- three years to be the best lifter in the world, because that's how powerlifters think, and a lot of them fall off. Natalie didn't do that. Natalie has exceeded expectations for her. No one expected her to be at this position that she is now. I think I, I think Chandler Babb and people in Chandler Babb's camp definitely thought that she would be in this position. And there's no reason not to, right? She's won every single, like, Nationals and IPF Worlds in powerlifting that matter. Like, a USPA, uh, IP, IPL, USAPL, and IPF. 
like only knows his wins and all the different uh, federations that he's done. So I don't know this one. This one's actually a little bit more difficult for me as far as uh, I, breakout performers go. I just changed my mind. Okay. I was, th- I was leaning towards Natalie, but as we're talking, I'm going towards Chandler. Um, Samantha, I don't think quite is on the same level of breakout as them. Um, mainly for the fact that I'm going to say she didn't do that performance at one of like the big untested meets. She didn't win one of those like where versus Natalie and Chandler, we can say they won one of the big tested meets of the year. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like their total, like they actually did it in the sense of competition. Chandler won nationals by a ton and then beat arguably mm-hmm. the greatest female powerlifter of all time who was undefeated I don't, was it, I think forever. She had never le- lost international competition in Kim Walford and she beat her. So I think I have to go Chandler Oof. because the accomplishments of that, I don't think I can ignore. Um, like we're talking Brandon versus Dan. Dan didn't go beat one of the all-time greats at IPF Worlds. He did win nationals, but he didn't go beat uh, whoever it may be at Worlds. Chandler did. I, I, Natalie has some fantastic meets, but I don't know if I can call, uh, her accomplishments to the same level as Chandler this year. Yeah, I think though with Natalie, I don't. I'm. I again, it's where I look at the beginning of the year. Like beginning of the year, I don't think I would. If someone told me Natalie Richards would be considered one of the best female lifters in the world, not just in her weight class, but one of the best female lifters in the world. With and also with, if you look at formulas, she's. She's about as every good. She's as good as all the top females that we're so used to, like Amanda Lawrence, Heather Connor, uh, Samantha Calhoun. We're used to those lifters being the best, and Natalie is like kind of surpassing them now. Like on dots, she beats Heather Connor by a decent amount. So, I have to say Natalie Richards because of that. Because she is, like, at the beginning of the year when we created the 69-kilo weight class, and he was like, Chandler Babb is going to be the world champion, I would actually agree because I I, I honestly, th- I don't know, I, I was really expecting her to beat Kim Walford because I just saw the trajectory of both of their training and, you know, training years and all that stuff. So, I like, it did not surprise me that much that Chandler Babb won. The fact that we're talking about Natalie Richards is being – you know, in this pro series, the best female lifter and potentially depending on who goes to the pro series, being a top contender for just best female lifter, I that is the biggest surprise for me. That is the biggest breakout for me. And a young lifter too. All right. I'll I'll concede. I can go with that. Because I'm I'm on the fence enough that like I can tip either way. And I definitely get the sense of like if we're defining breakout, I think Natalie is more the definition of breakout. Um so yeah, I'll go Natalie. Yep. Love both of those lifters, too. And uh, a lot of, some honorable mentions there. Uh, Andrea Riley, another big one. Celine Crum, another big one as well. Uh, you mentioned Hunter Henderson at the beginning there. But, yeah, and, and Andrea Riley, again, we did our March Madness thing, and we were like, oh, we could actually have a lifter who surpasses Marissa Inda, which is a, an incredibly surprise. You're so used to Marissa Inda winning, and we have Andrea Riley, you know, this person that's not too many people have heard of. And there she is, uh, beating beating a legend of the beating a legend of the USAPL and IPF, and then getting to IPF Worlds, and yeah, definitely on a trajectory upwards trajectory there from Andrea. And Celine Crum is like, 
again, if Natalie Richards doesn't exist, like Celine Crum is kind of that lifter, like who's really coming out to the scene, breaking records, and uh, is is putting herself into a really good national uh, national ranking there as well. All right, well, that'll do it. Natalie Richards, 2021 Breakout Female Performer of the Year. All right, now we have Best Male Lifter, which this one's going to be quite a debate. Looking at these nominations, I don't know if we're going to make someone happy here. We are, we're going to get people upset. Nomination one, Taylor Atwood. Nomination number two, John Hack. And nomination number three, Ashen Ruska. And goddamn, all these lifters are just so fucking good. Yep. And here's my caveat. This is best male lifter of the year, not best performance. Yeah. If you were saying best performance, hands down to me, that is Taylor Atwood at Nationals. Yep. Best performance of all time in my opinion. Yeah, arguably yes. But if I'm looking, me personally, if I'm looking best male lifter, Taylor had one unbelievable performance. John and Ashton did it over the entire year at multiple meets. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's my good that's my differentiator. Yeah, a, and for me, I, I think some people are probably gonna disagree with my 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 reasoning, but for me, I, I put a little stake in that. That the fact that John and Ashton both went to multiple big meets had fairly well, John never really has competition as long as he hits his lifts. So I can, but he had competition, he's just so much better. But both of them had to do it at multiple big meets, and every single one lived up. Like I don't think neither John nor Ashton lost a single meet this year. Uh, oh, actually, yeah. Yeah. I think John lost the, the John did the current and lost to Chad mainly because he doesn't do raps though. Yeah, that, that that is one thing that does matter. Like that's like one like you're watching it and you're like, yeah, he's not wearing raps though. Like, but he is not. He but uh, when we get to the Derek Thistleways episode, you know, Derek talked about like Hack is not that good of a rap squatter and he has done raps before and hasn't done very well. So there's that. But I I know I agree with you and actually that was an argument I wasn't really expecting either. That actually is. You know, putting me on the fence here, but I, yeah, I, I, I see that because now I think with, uh, especially with this pro series happening, and it doesn't look like I, as of right now, it doesn't look like Atwood is, um, is, is sticking with the pro series route. It looks like he's going to stick to one to two meets a year. Um, and with the pro series, you're going to have to compete more frequently. Some people are going to have to do four meets in order to qualify themselves for Arnold or to try to get themselves in a, a position where they can get to a bigger meet. I think Ashton is the more seasoned person in that because he does compete frequently and has the the best meets and does win. He wins those meets. Um, I guess you could put National as best overall lifter. He didn't win that, but he won his weight class, an extremely competitive weight class, with another fantastic lifter. He won the Virginia Pro. Um, but yeah, and that's the, kind of one of the things with Ashton. This is, why the, this is where my... I, it's going to change, though, because Hack, I think, is more impressive in that sense. Because Hack has won those meets, and he is... We talk about, like, the uh, what what Atwood did. You know, 838 into 83s would be second all-time, and he's so close to just being the best 83-kilo lifter, too, based on his total at 74, which is ridiculous. Hack is doing that. Hack is surpassing, what, three weight classes? And he would be second all-time in another weight class? Like, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't disagree there. I mean, 
it, 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 the only differentiator for me with Ashton and hack is Ashton is doing it in close head to head battles with people in his own weight class. Mm-hmm. Um, hack, unfortunately for one reason is on untested. So none of their meets are like weight class based, but two, I don't think he really has anyone to challenge him. Chad is kind of there, but like if they're, if they're both in sleeves, it's not really that close. That's the only thing I liked about Ashton is the fact that he had to beat Bryce, who he lost to in the past, mm-hmm. and kind of redeem himself in a in a battle that came down to the last deadlift. And that's where I I, I we on two white lights. We put we put some uh um some emphasis on winning weight class battles, not just dot scores. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's another reason I'm gonna mark Taylor down. Yes, Taylor is insane. I'm not trying to diminish what he did, but like if he had someone that was going 825 to 835 and pushed him, I don't know if he is able to have these super meets every time. I think he is. I actually think that'll make him better. I think if there was someone pushing him, I think he would actually go. I think he would actually like kind of be pushed to a total. That's like an eight forty five. That's why I think if he goes to 83, that's where you're going to see the super meets because he's going to have to push to beat Russ. I don't fully disagree there. I'm talking more. I'm not talking like mentally. I'm and phys, like I'm talking like attempt selection wise. Like he's never had to play a game. He just kind of gets to choose what he wants to choose. Yeah, no, it's been or it's at least been a while where he had to play the game. He had to play the numbers yeah. game, and he hasn't he hasn't had to do that in about two years. So I'll be honest. I was leaning towards Ashton, but like I, if you want to say hack, I'd say hack with you because the fact is like hack is cementing goat status. Like, I think he's going to eventually, I don't know if it's this next meet or the one after, he's eventually going to go to 220. He's probably going to beat Yuri's all-time total. And once he does that, I think that just, he then surpasses uh, any argument of him versus Ed Cone of Goat, in my opinion. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, I'm already I'm already kind of there to put him put him at Goat. And I've, I think I've listed before, he's, he's done it untested. He's done it tested. Not many guys can say that. He's had this insane progression as a power lifter just... I mean, when you, it, it, I think he actually gets this thing where he's too good, where people like don't want to give him awards because it's just unfair to give him every award, or it's unfair to like bring him up in conversation because he's just that fucking good. But he is, it, it he is that. Well, I think that, and then that. Well, I, I'm not. I'm now talking the hack because of what you just said there. Because we're talking. That's the same thing with Atwood. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like hard to even compare him because it's just so ridiculous. So if we're doing Atwood and Hack, I would say both of their performances are pretty darn even in impressiveness. You could argue one way or the other which one you think is more, but Hack did it multiple times this year. Atwood did it once, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So that, I, I think I would give it to Hack then. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I agree with you. I'm I'm gonna put Hack there too, um, as as the winner for best lifter of the year. Um, maybe next year we'll you know because I think we're we're actually fuck we might upset natty people by doing this which would be a first I mean oh great it'd be great if we get shit from both ends you know we just piss off everyone in power I think hack is like the the natty favorite though of untested because he came from our he came from yeah. our, our fold yeah I, I I just don't know the 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 argument you could really place under hack there or like against hack in like I, I just can't see it. But again, that's why we separate the two. I mean, you could always make the arguments. What if Atwood and Ashton started taking stuff like, all right, well, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it happen. I want to keep them natty uh, for their entire lives. And I, and I think they would, but um, yeah, I think I, I just can't give a good argument against hack on that one. So congratulations, hack. You could put that in your top accolade to white USAPL amateur. Yeah. <laughs> 
Two White Lights, Male Lifter of the Year, your top accolade, your highest achievement in powerlifting, John Hack. Congratulations. And now we have our Best Female Lifter of the Year. So our nominations here are Amanda Lawrence, Chrissy Hawkins, and Leah Beauvoir. So this one is going to be another interesting argument because we do have uh, Chrissy, ha- uh, Chrissy Hawkins in there as well, untested. So you have two untested or two tested lifters, one untested, and I, it's going to be hard to come to a good consensus on who is the best female lifter of the year. Now, your definition of it, like people who compete frequently, Europeans compete every other day. I think I think they have a competition tomorrow happening. I think they have one on yep. Christmas. I think they have the same season as professional baseball players. So uh, Leah is the most competitive as far as like constantly going to meets and winning because European camp. It feels like there's six European championships a year. I, am I wrong on this, or can I not differentiate so between? I, I coach some people in the Netherlands, and uh, yes, it feels like there is. Uh, European or national championship every other week. Yeah, I'm like, I, I swore I just saw all these because I follow a lot of Italian lifters. I'm like, how much are you guys just going to put in a total? Because I honestly thought you competed like yesterday and now you're competing today. So, Leah, in that sense, like, she has the most amount of meats under her belt. But for me, because like, Amanda and Leah are just extremely close. We'll talk about Chrissy in a bit, but Amanda and Leah are extremely close. Amanda Lawrence, I think, has been a little bit hurt this year, underperformed this year, and was still better. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm doing like accolades, they both dominated at their like national or your like. I don't even consider. I don't want to say France nationals doesn't count, but like in Europe the Europeans is more like USAPL nationals winning Europeans is like winning USAPL nationals. And then you get to go to worlds. She wins that she wins worlds. Amanda wins nationals. She wins worlds. They both win best lifter. They're like nationals per se, but Amanda chips her a little bit at worlds. And that and like, and since we it, like both of their performances are just insane. And so it's always going to be hard to compare them since they're, they're a little bit too far away in weight classes, but Amanda got her on good lift score. I mean, that's kind of like my mm-hmm. differentiating factor. Yeah, that's that's mine Christy, too. I don't honestly. I think there's more. There's a, there's an argument for Christy though. I don't think people understand mainly because I don't think she's a big social media presence. Like uh, she's she's not like Mariana or Steffi was in kind of their heyday, uh, where everyone knew she was like the goat. The all like Christy put up a six seventy one dot score this year. Second place of all women was Brianni Terry at six hundred. And that was with a 144, 144-pound total less mm-hmm. than Christy. If we're going all years, Christy has the all-time greatest dot score of any women ever in Raw um, by 12 dot score over yeah. Mariana. Yeah. The only thing, though, Amanda Lawrence, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is some of the things get skewed on the women's untested side, mainly because these scores were usually made um, without these extreme outliers. Um, And on the women's untested side, we tend to have more extreme outliers. Amanda Lawrence is number nine all time, regardless of tested or untested. Yeah. Which is the highest ever for any natural female. 
Yeah. Well, that's what we were talking about when we did the Mark Madness thing of how ridiculous Amanda Lawrence's career is. And it feels like he's just never – she's never – like, she had, that. I think, that one meet where everything clicked. Like, things aren't always clicking for her, and she's still the best female lifter in the world. Like, that was a naturalist for me. I'm like, this was an obvious meet where she was kind of struggling through and injured, and she's still, like <laughs> – she won convincingly in a very competitive field for best overall lifter. Like that's that to me is just like that's how good she is as a lifter. Um I think the argument for Leah though is that she can be the sixty nine kilo national uh world champion as well. But I also think that's a little bit unfair because the only way to go up for Amanda Lawrence is eighty four plus. And it's like that's a huge I mean, if she wants to do in the USAPL, she can easily do that, right? She can probably be a three- or four-weight class winner uh, if you go with the weight classes above 84. Um, I just – I think that would be an argument for Leah, uh, multiple uh, multiple weight class winner. But I, I think Amanda Lawrence can definitely easily do that if she just weighs in 85 and then there's more USAPL lifters, but definitely not an 84-plus. I don't think that's a – it's a fair argument there. Um, you know what you did mention, Mar- uh, Mariana, though? Like, she had that super meet at the Kern, and then that was it. Like, is, is that what's excluding her from this list? Because I think a lot of people will say, like, what's the deal here? Why isn't... I, I don't... That wasn't a super meet, though. That was... Well, she won best overall seven, lifter. 70 in a, pounds less than her best total. Okay. Well, she won best overall lifter with Hunter Henderson there. You know, like... She did because they use Wilkes. If they use Dots, Hunter wins. Okay. Oh God, formula talk. Yeah, but I think she. I think so she's. Uh, you, you can't, you she can the add formula, it as a... you would have changed the outcome. So that's where I don't. I don't know. And second, Christy beats both of them. I think even with even with. Oh, okay, never mind. So uh, yeah, I think she's the dots, best Wilkes. Mariana ever. was six eighty one in wraps. Christy was six seventy one in sleeves. Ah, okay. Well, that tell that. Like, I don't, right, I don't right, think that's. Right, right. Like, I'll concede. I'll concede. I, if we're talking untested, Christy takes the cake. I'll, I mean, she just kind of destroyed everything this year. Yeah, I'll concede. Um, I don't know. My selection for this one has to be Amanda Lawrence. Still, though, I I still have to I, pick I'm, Amanda. I'm going with Amanda. If Leah had beat Corolla head to head at Worlds, I go Leah. I still don't know if I would do that. I would because again, because I think they're both were going after head to head. They're both were going close to you, but they're both were going after each other for best overall lifter, and Amanda Lawrence won that. Yeah, but that's going off of I. I, That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm going with Amanda because neither of them had a comparison within their class in their competitions. If Leah was able to, I mean the, the. the fact is Leah may have changed her attempt selection. Amanda got the choice to be able to kind of make sure to adjust her attempt selections to win both overall lifter. That was kind of an advantage there. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm going, I'm going Amanda. I'm just saying if Leah had won head to head against Corolla, I think I probably would have given her the nod then yeah. just for the fact that she actually, she would have actually had to have like a true head to head battle at worlds to win. But since neither of them did, we can only go off a score and Amanda got her. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. All right. Okay. So Amanda Lawrence again, your top accolade because your your other top accolade was the March Madness winner for best female lifter, and now the other one that you could put in your trophy case far above the nationals best overall win, uh, lifter, world's best overall lifter, best female lifter twenty twenty one Amanda Lawrence. That's back to back years too, right? Back to back years of what? Best overall female lifter. Didn't she give it to her last year? Well, I didn't do this. 
No. <laughs> this is, this you did something last year. No, I did. No, I did. Yeah, guest of the guest of the year. Our our most coveted award is guest of the year because you have to come okay. on two white lights that's and have. And, that's our final one. We're yeah, doing. the final one we're doing is guest of the year because if you come and give us ratings, then that surpasses everything. Like that's your your give us ratings, give us money because yeah. some of these award selections were determined by who gave us money. I'm yes. not even gonna lie. Yes, we we might have. Um, Biggest philanthropist, two white lights, two white lights favorite philanthropist of the year next year. So everyone donates us money, and uh, whoever just donates the most amount of money gets that award. And your money will be used to make that award, and we'll give it to you. All right. Well, now we have our individual list. So best male squats nomination number one, Chad Penson. Nomination number two, Russ Orhe. And nomination number three, Jesus Oliveris. And these individual lists might get a little contentious because I think, I think, uh, I, I actually, I think I might make it contentious because I love the way squats look or lifts look. And if your lift doesn't look a certain way, I might not vote for you, which is a really shitty way of deciding an award. So I will throw out one more, and we might need to decide on the spot here if we do this. Should Chad Penson take that kind of our untested nomination, or does Dan Bell's eleven thirteen take it? I think Dan's. I'm sorry, okay. like Dan's has let's, uh, let's, Dan has like the pull best. It out. Dan Bell gets Dan Bell gets up there for best male squat. We take out Chad. Sorry, Chad. Sorry, better. Sorry. Now, now you're underrated again. Congratulations. Okay, so we got you- Dan versus Russ versus Jesus. I think it's pretty easy for me to choose between Jesus and Dan. Jesus is unreal. Um, I mean, honestly, once Jesus gets his deadlift back, kind of like I would say with Ray, people underrated Ray's deadlifts and didn't realize the reason Ray was so good is because he was one of the few guys who are in the super heavyweights that can still deadlift a buttload. And Jesus is the same way. If he gets back to 881, his deadlift is actually probably, in my opinion, more impressive than his squat in comparison, like we're looking at super heavyweights. But I mean, if we're looking at it straight up, Jesus, what, he squatted like 948, I think, and Dan Bell squatted 1113. Yes, one's wrapped. Yes, one's tested versus untested. But, like, we'd be really elitist if we didn't recognize 1113 squat wrapped, regardless of Uh, anything, is insane. I think, in my opinion, Dan has – that's why I wanted to put him in there. I was about to say, like, my honorable mention, Dan Bell is going to – might be my actual choice here. Like Dan Bell's squat, like Dan Bell's squat's ridiculous. Like he's a he's a brilliant raw and wrap squatter. Like a brilliant lifter in that in that lift. I mean he's he's one of the ghosts of the sport too. Like you know he's an honorable mention for his male lifter of the year. Uh, But I think with that squat, goddamn, like it is such a pretty pretty squat. We said though, at least in the tested side, I think we both agree. Russ has the best pound for pound squat. On the whole tested side of things, yes. Are uh, we well, on that? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamar was going to be my selection, but we saw the competition. He had a fantastic day, and he's an honorable mention by murking the ninety-three kilo uh, American record, absolutely destroying it with his second attempt. And uh, but I said he would have to squat like seven seventy-one in order to yeah. be the best pound for pound squatter. I think Russ has that right now and also it just seems like he's not completely emptied the tank just yet on his squat i feel like he can possibly go 744 i think i i actually think like at nationals i thought his his ceiling was a little bit higher i thought 
Worlds, his ceiling was a little bit higher. So I think right now he's finding some unprecedented success in that one lift. Uh, and yeah, pound for pound squatter, I would say Russ. And obviously, if we're going, we talked about it. This is where I'm, I'm making this comparison, even though he's not on there. He's a no, he's an honorable mention, but we've got Jawan Garrison. I'm sure if yeah. we don't mention him, he wouldn't be too happy. Yeah, he, he, he counts himself as the past pound for pound. Him and Russ are kind of pretty even. But how about Ray though? So, what, what, with his last squat though, how about Ray? Honorable mention. Honor Ray. I have honorable mention, but yeah. like. If, if Ray squats 1080 again, he wins this award, in my opinion, but he didn't squat 1080. I would, if I'm choosing Russ versus Jawan, I'm probably choosing Russ based on the meets he did it in. If I'm doing Dan versus Ray versus Jesus, I'm choosing Dan because he, he squatted more than anyone in history. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just between Dan and Russ. Yeah. And I originally was going Russ, but I think I talked myself into Dan. I mean, like, is there anything... The old, my only issue it see this is where the contentious like the, it's like the hype of it I, I just like I don't know Russ's squat just the feeling of it maybe it's because I was I was there was more hype to me um, the most hype squat I've ever seen in my life that was just like awe inspiring was raised 1080 I'm sure if I was there Dan Bell was 11 13 probably would take the cake for me and I'm trying to put myself if I was actually there and saw that in person I probably wouldn't even be this right now i don't know i i i I don't know i I mean the debate was it was like the best lift of all time like we were having debate like what who is like kind of the the best super heavyweight with dan bell and ray if we kind of take those totals that they've had and you know factored in the steroids and no steroids and i think yeah i think a lot of that's dictated off the single lift and that's the squat like I I don't know. I think I got it, which is going to be funny. Like if all of our uh, awards go to um, the untested side of powerlifting, that'll be very <laughs> ironic. But I I think within the year, Dan Bell. But I don't. Uh, yeah, now now you got me thinking too. With Russ's, I'm not even talking hype. I'm just talking about him being the best pound for pound squatter in the world, and I think the ceiling is so high for him and. It's one of those uh, the the seven hundred pound barrier, right, for eighty threes. So you have two guys who are squatting over seven hundred pounds. One right at seven hundred pounds, Jamar Royster, when he said it. Now Russ is so far ahead of that. He's so far ahead of that huge milestone. He is. I, I just don't think I can. Dis- the more I think about it, I can't discredit eleven hundred and thirteen pound squat. Me neither. I can't do it either. I say it. I like if you're not a powerlifting that. fan, you see both. Russ is incredible, but Dan's was more impressive just because of the sheer weight on the bar. Like that—that's the most a human's ever lifted, not in a suit. I agree. I think we're both going to give it to Dan Bell here. Okay, Dan Bell, it is. Dan Bell, enjoy a Coors because you are our best male squatter of the year 2021. Now we have best female squats. We have Amanda Lawrence, Leah Bavois, and Chrissy Hawkins. So pretty much a re-debate of the best female lifters of the year. Um, and this one, again, is kind of difficult. I don't know. Like, how far is Leah above a world record? Yeah, let me look. Because then um, honorable mentions, honorable mentions here, too. Amanda versus Christy. I'm taking Amanda, so I can cancel that out. Christy has squatted more but not enough considering untested for me to pick Christy over Amanda. Like Amanda 
we're talking about that kind of like upper weight class, Amanda's is more impressive than me. So I'm, I'm putting Amanda there as beating Christy. So therefore it's Christy versus Leah. So if I'm looking at all time world records, you just switch to women squat. Amanda has 57 pounds. That looks like over Daniela. Uh, Leah has 22 pounds over Corolla, but that's talking this year. Amanda's best squat this year at 84 was 536. Leah's best squat this year was 462 at 143. She did 451 at 63 kilos. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, 63 kilos. So I'm looking actually I think I think 451 or 452 is more impressive since she was actually having to cut for it. So we got 452 at 63. Or we've got Amanda doing 536 at 84. To me, if Amanda had squatted 564 again this year, that probably wins. But the fact that she didn't and Leah was hitting all-time best and hit 452, I think I give it to Leah there. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. It's hard. It's a hard one, especially because they're like the two best like female lifters, and even arguing between them is kind of difficult. So even single list is going to be a little more difficult, and and especially it's like kind of their their lift, right? Like Leah, the people turn around to watch Leah's and Amanda squat. Well, Leah, Leah actually squatted four sixty two this year. I lied at sixty three, and that is fifty forty eight pounds over second place. Yeah, which if we're taking percentage wise, that's pretty insane. So yeah. If she squatted 462, she did that at a French meet in February. So, yeah, I'm going to take Leah. That's, yeah. that's pretty easy once I see she did 462 there. All right. Well, if I'm – yeah, that is our first international winner of a single – or a two White Lights Award. So, congratulations, Leah, on winning that. Um, I'm going to have to pause this really. All right. And we have – on to the bench press for the males, our best male bench press of the year. We have number one, Jonathan Keiko. His name is Mr. Bench, so it's going to be hard arguing with that. Jake Amendola, number two, and John Hack, number three. And God damn it, John Hack, I'm really upset that you're that good at bench press because I want to give this award to one of Keiko or Amendola. But yeah, you're well, just John Keiko versus, Amendola, Keiko versus Amendola, I think, is easy. We discussed on the Virginia Show preview show, at least I, I think I said it. I don't know if you yeah. agree. Jake needed the bench 600 to pass Jonathan as the best pound for pound bencher in the USAPL. Yeah, and he, yeah. he was close. He was close. He didn't do it. So Keiko, Keiko's got that battle. But Hack weighs, is weighing in less than Keiko and benching more. So I, I've got Hack. I mean, I think people underrate his bench. And he's about to probably bench 600. Yeah. I think people would legit underrate how big Wait, does he actually weigh less than Keiko, though? Not walking, well, maybe walking around, they're about the same. I don't know. At the meet, he does. At the meet, I mean, obviously, we're no, we, we still need to do our two-hour or 24-hour weigh-in episode when it comes to, like... Yeah, I don't like uh, that. Now I'm, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, you're saying that, I'm like, no, he doesn't. He does not weigh less than Keiko. Like, on the meet, too? No. Come on. Keiko. I think they both walk around at, like, 215. Do, do they? I think I think Keiko's at, like... I think Keiko has to really eat his way to 215, though. Like... I think he's. I think he's about. I don't know. I gotta ask Keiko that. Oh. I think he walks around like two thirteen, maybe, because he he was way less going in the nationals for the reason of the travel issues, not being able to eat. But I think he usually walks around like two ten to two thirteen, whatever it is. They they weigh similar. John weighs less meat day because he gets his twenty four hour weigh in. 
but John did three meets this year and never missed a single bench press. Not a single one. I know we're going to blow out. 573, 578, 579. What did Keiko do? Keiko, I mean, he didn't miss either, but he hit 534 in a local meet and then 524 at nationals and worlds. Huh. So about 50. 50 pounds less than half. Well, I mean, I mean, one's natty and one isn't. So I think we have to factor that in there, too. You know what? I might be a dick here and say Keiko and uh, let this be the most contentious one. Have a disagreement and this maybe have the uh, maybe have a tiebreaker on this one because there's a single lift. I don't even know if we're going to we can't because like if we make graphics for all these one, CB is going to punch us in the face because that's like 9000 graphics he has to make. But two, like, I, I don't know, like now that I actually I, think I, about it, I might put Keiko up there and I love Keiko and I don't want to give hack all the I, I can actually agree. I mean, if we're taking everything into account, 24-hour weigh-ins, natty versus not natty, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll even say, I mean, fact of the matter is, uh, some of the meets that John did didn't have the fastest commands. You know, I think Hack has the best pause on all the bench press, so he gets fast commands. He's, he the, the, he's the best at everything, okay? He's the best at everything. He's the best at but soft touch, too. Keiko did it with IPF pauses at 524 with two-hour yeah. weigh-ins and travel. Yep. So, and his name is Mr. I, I Bench. I can switch it. I'll go Keiko and not yeah. argue. Yeah, all right. Well, Keiko it is, and his name is Mr. Bench. Heck, your nickname is not Mr. Bench. No one calls you that, so there you go. That's what Keiko is. So Keiko is the best male bencher of the year. I'm so happy about that. Now we have best female bench press of the year. We have number one, Jen Thompson, the bench queen. Number two, Jessica Springer, Illinois' own. And number three, Kalora Gara. And just right off the bat, I'm going Kalora because Italians stick together. So, <laughs> Carol has a great bench, but she did it a weight class up at 292. Yeah. And Jen almost like, just because Jen keeps benching the same amount, it really hasn't progressed. It's just kind of the same thing. She still benched 308 at 138. So, yep. she weighed less and benched seven and a half kilos more. 40 pounds now, less Jessica than me. Springer, I don't think people understand. She benched 415. I think that was the biggest bench in history by a female. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I think she's pretty underrated. Oh, incredibly but, underrated. Like, I actually think as far as untested lifters, she's up there with some of, like, those best lifters. And formula is never going to help her. But she is I, – I will take her in a strength competition between all of them any day of the week. Between Chrissy, between Hunter, between – uh, Samantha Rice, between all of them, like Jess- Jessica, in my opinion, is like the strongest of all of them. To me, it's it's less about Car- Corolla versus Jen. It's more about Jessica versus Jen because yeah. straight up, Jen bench more than Corolla weighing less. Like I, I don't think that's even a debate, <laughs> right. barring your Italian bias. Yeah, well, yeah, we ignore facts. We Jen ignore versus those Jessica facts. is the actual debate. Do you want to go the bigger bench or I'm so going jen because i still think benching 308 at 138 is still the craziest bench in the history of female powerlifting yeah and the fact that she still does it i mean when are we going to see that happen again that's what that's what i want to know like on the untested side of powerlifting when are we going to see a female do that who's close right now untested or untested tested well, Carol is the closest, but she's still seven and a half kilos away. She's she's the one that's yeah, kind of knocking like, on the door there. I think I think until that happens, you just kind of have to give like Jen Thompson's just best bencher. Like 
You just have to keep, no, I agree. keep giving it you're to her. You're just going to keep taking it until someone can take it over. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, so, it's, it's kind of one of those awards you're like, oh, that's not very like surprising or like there's no like glamour to it or hype to it, but it's because she just does it every year. Like no one's beating her. Yeah. She's being the best venture. Yep. Well, all right. So we're going to give the award to Jen and let it be noted, stated on Two White Lights, that I picked Kodoto to win. Okay. So there's that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, male deadlift. We got some pretty deadlifts here. Number one, my pick for just prettiest deadlift, uh, Danny Grigsby. Two, how do you pronounce his name? Sasha Stendenbach? Stendenbach. Stendenbach. Insane deadlift. I think no one on Two White Lights really expected that as her second nominations, including myself. I had to look it up afterwards. And nomination three, the natty, John Hack, if you will, Taylor Atwood, which we could probably put like yeah. him on all of these things. I didn't even know about the Sasha Stendabach deadlift until I was researching and was trying to like figure out which was the best deadlift of the year. He deadlifted 822 tested in a, his, in his IPF Federation at 93 kilo conventional. Yeah. I saw and Now I do remember that was, yeah. I that remember when he showed me, I'm like, I do remember. We just kind of lost it because, because as we said on two white lights, single list, forget forgotten about it. It's not the end all be all thing. So, this one's tough for me. Danny, if Danny or Jamal hits a thousand at the showdown, easy. They won. Yeah. Easy. It's done. It's still, I'm still debating that. Like, I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. Taylor Atwood, 750 to me, is the best deadlift of the year. That record was 750 is a milestone for a lot of 83 lifters and the IPF world record still isn't at 340 kilos, which is 750. It still isn't there. You had it in 2017. 2020 is when I broke it. The fact that a 74 kilo lifter is doing that now and made it look easy. And also when you look at the old record, which is what 716, that's the best. That's the best deadlift in the world, in my opinion. Like that, I, how we did it. To me, he wins that. Just and I, I actually can't like be devil's advocate on this because of just how he moved it and how far past the record he is. That was set by himself, that. right? I mean, no, uh, like, uh, Eric Lapointe like, had it. Eric Lapointe had the former record. Him versus Danny. Like if you give Taylor a deadlift bar, I mean, we already saw when he pulled like seven sixteen and then pulled seven seventy on a deadlift bar. So Taylor's pulling well over 800 probably on a deadlift bar if he did an untested meet <laughs> and was able to get a 24-hour weigh in. Yeah. And that would be insane for Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's I I can't I I can't argue that like the the se- the seven f- like, this is just my individuals like people are now kind of forgetting the 750 mark for 83s and that was such a huge huge like just gap between deadlifts and that was up until recently up until 2020 so we're not talking about like this is you know 750 is a thing of the past taylor atwood did at 74 and no one expected him to pull 750 at this meet no one no one no one because it was that ridiculous and he did it and made it look easy and yeah it was it was ridiculous and that's the best deadlift of the year in my opinion on the male side all right i can tell you i'm looking at taylor he's got the fourth best deadlift of all time at 165 and it's he's only twenty pounds off the all time world record that was on a deadlift bar. And so yeah. if he does it on a deadlift bar, he's probably going eight hundred plus and just destroying that. Yeah. So yeah, I can go with that. If you guys haven't if you guys haven't seen Sasha spin the box deadlift though, go look at that. 
people need to recognize that as legitimately one of the best deadlifts of the year. Yep. That's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. No, okay. I agree. I agree with you on that. It's most insane, but like Taylor Atwood's, it, it's, it's, it's a goat, it's a goat deadlift. It's, it's up there as far as like best deadlifts of all time. All right. And also we got to go to the female side. Kimberly Walford, number one, join in Amani, number two, and Tamara Walcott, number three. Very interesting list here. Based on first impression, I'm giving it to Joy and Imani. Just first look. Yeah, my, mine's between Joy and Tamara. Kim's fantastic, but like Joy deadlifted 50 pounds more than anyone else in her weight class. Second best is Natalie Richards at 451, and Joy deadlifted 501. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it's and the fact is Joy deadlifted 501 and what? Uh, Kim deadlifted 542, two weight classes up. Um, if you're looking at worlds, cause we're talking worlds, Kim only deadlifted, uh, six pounds more than joy. I think it was. Yeah. So if it's joy versus Kim joy, may be now the deadlift queen of all of, uh, tested powerlifting. Um, if we are looking though, it's, it's, I mean, Tamara's was the biggest untested deadlift of all time. I was gonna that's put my debate. I was that's gonna my debate between the two. I was gonna put Chrissy Hawkins in there because she just pulled a world record and tore her bicep while doing it and kind of didn't care about it. Like that was insane. <laughs> like it she, was insane. She looks slightly annoyed that she tore her bicep. Oh no. Me, I yeah. I oh no, I would agree with you, but I'm just saying, like, just based on looks alone, tore her bicep, looked at it, and was like, oh man, and then just put it back down gently. That was insane. That was the most badass moment of powerlifting of the year. Um I'm gonna give the joint in Amani. Yeah, I agree. Actually, because I'm looking at Christy. Christy only deadlifted 30 pounds less than Tamara. So honestly, I think you can make an argument of Christy over Tamara. But if I'm adding in stiff bar and tested and the fact that uh, Joy competes at the 57 kilo weight class mm-hmm. and they're both competing at what, 80 plus or something like that. Yeah. Or Christy's at 165. So 75 plus um, between her and Tamara. Yeah, I'm going Joy. I think Joy, I mean, that's it won her a world championship. Yeah. And also, you know, um, like, I don't think uh, Tamara will be hurting too much from this. I mean, she, like, I, I, don't, I don't, at this point, I don't think she gives a shit about <laughs> two white lights and all this stuff, being on Ellen and being on, like, pretty much like one of the, I, I would actually say, like, the, uh, the breakout star of powerlifting of the year could have been her because she's just like, she's, we talk about like powerlifting becoming mainstream. Like, that was a person who really actually, Kind of the person getting into the mainstream, like Sports Center. By the way, shout out Debo, Debo getting on Sports Center's Instagram account yesterday, yep. and Sports Center did him fucking dirty for not tagging him. Fuck you, Sports Center. Tag Debo, tag Debo, and not the photographer who got it because that person got all the clout. <laughs> Debo should be at like twenty thousand followers right now. But um, yeah, Tamara on Ellen on Sports Center went viral on Twitter. Went viral everywhere, so I don't think she'll mind uh, joining Imani getting this award. Congratulations, Joy, another international lifter, getting a two white lights, uh, two white lights award. I actually think I have to get her on the show one of these days. I'm gonna actually, I might try that. But on to some uh, some of the fun ones, and actually, I'm really interested to talk about these 2022 male breakout candidates. So we're looking towards 2022. We actually might discuss this a little bit deeper into uh, our little Twitch uh, Twitch live that we're going to try to get going. But we have nomination number one, David Chan, 
Nomination number two, Cameron Harmon, better known as Kamakura. And nomination number three, Bob Matthews. Now, we're probably going to debate based on breakout, but um, also but Cameron is also known as Handsome Cameron. That that is his uh, that is his actual nickname that everyone should call him is Handsome Cameron, and they both compete at the Warcat. Bob, we just saw at the Virginia Pro. Now this is going to be contentious because this is predictions, and predictions are always debate worthy. Yeah, I'm going to throw out some notable uh, exclusions, mainly because I think this one kind of warrants it. Um, some people to look out for: Joe Bornstein. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know his name. Uh, Joe coaches him. Nate, seventy-four kilo. Yeah, he's out in California. Yeah, he's uh, he's on the up and up. Lucky uh, Charvis, who's coached by is it Jerome? I think I think I think Jerome coaches him. Team Nori, honestly, guy, but... pretty much all of Nori <laughs> yeah. teams eighty-three well, look out for that could be pot. But David Chan, I think. Well, Jerome, well, uh, Jaron too, because he yeah he coaches. Kyle DeLeon so he's like yeah so I think Definitely what happens I think what happens is the 83 kilos who are like well we don't know if we want coaching from Nori because he's our competition they just, he just gives him off to uh Jaron and he he does his thing with him so yeah because so and also underrated coach of the year might be him we don't yeah. have that award but I, I keep fuck it I'll crown it now underrated coach of the year it's him so I've got Bob on here I put that there, and I think probably some people will be like, "Why is he a breakout candidate? He already like he already broke out." Here's why: I legit think Bob next year could out total Ashton. I think that is a plausible scenario, and that would be a second breakout. And if he does that, he then may win Best Male Lifter of the Year next year. And he wasn't on that list this time, and I consider that a breakout. Like I, mm-hmm. I look at Dave. Like if I'm looking at these, I look at David Chan going from like top ten to possibly battling for like top five at nationals. I look at Cameron Harmon as no one really knows him to probably top five at nationals this year and being the guy, especially with Taylor gone, being kind of the next guy to really challenge. I think to challenge uh, Perk. Um, and I look at Bob as like he might already be winning the hundred kilo weight class, but now he might out total Ashton. Up, like I, I look at Bob having another possible breakout, and I'm being proved right by his current training block. Since he literally just hit a triple at a weight that he at six, he had a I think six forty for three at a six RPE, and he said like two months ago that was a six RPE single. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. I think Bob is could very well be lifter and all the power lifting by the end of next year. I am going to quote you and probably put this on a quote graphic just to piss off, piss off Ashton Ruska um, and see if I can get him pissed off at you particularly. But I actually do agree with you. I think Bob can... I, I, I think I was saying this yesterday. I think Bob can be the best lifter in the world in a year. This is a hot... I mean, it's a hot take, hot prediction because I... Because it's a hard thing to really predict and it's a hard thing to accomplish is to be is to be better than potentially Ash and Ruska and potentially Taylor Atwood too. I don't know if you'll beat him on formula. I don't think there's a formula that Taylor Atwood will lose to. But I do actually see that from Bob. And now I understand what you're saying because I wouldn't put him on the nominations because of what he's done in the sport. But I do see him like becoming the guy, like the man. And he has all the he has all the tools to be that. He has terrific leverages. Bob is so damn big. Like, he, when I see him, like, holy shit, like, he 
is one of the bigger female, or not bigger, my mistake, bigger <laughs> males I've seen in power. I don't know even where that came from. Uh, bigger males I've seen in powerlifting. He is a specimen, and he's getting bigger too. And I think he's going to continuously get bigger. Like, I don't know. I do think Ash has some company there with Bob in there, and that I think will be the storyline up until next year, maybe at one of these big super meets. Um, I think the I, I actually think because the Arnold has its own thing now, I think it hasn't unfolded. I think the Virginia Pro could be, not saying that it's going to happen, but could be the meet where it's going to be Ashton and Bob again. Or it's going to be Ashton first Bob. That's what we're looking at. Whereas the storyline was Petrie first Bob, I think it's going to be Ash. Well, I guess you could throw in Petrie there too and Bob. I, I think it's going to be Ash versus Bob for the Arnold grand finale in 2023, which is the end of 2022's pro series. I think those two are probably going to be the two battling it out yeah. for the overall. Yeah. I, and- you might've swayed me on that one. Yeah. I think you might've swayed me on that one because I, I, I think I had David Chan as my pick, but like what you said, I, David, I, I'm not, I don't see for, I don't foresee, sorry, David, I love you. I don't foresee David Chan being better than Russ this year. I just don't. I do and see. We'll look at our or I mean our breakout male yeah our I breakout do. male performers that we did that we debated were people that literally were looking at placing first overall like Brandon and Dan and Gavin. Um, I don't see David and Cameron placing first overall. Bob is probably going to win his class, and he likely could go up a class and win it too at the end of the year. Yeah, I could see David having the year that I just had. I could see him getting well over 800 and getting third at nationals where he was outside of the top 10 the year prior or the years prior. But that's, I don't think the same pro- uh, progression as Bob. Bob can potentially be the best male lifter in the USAPL beating Ashton yep. Ruska. Like that is going to be a, I'm excited just thinking about that potentially happening where Bob puts together a training total that's rivaling Ash, but he has everything. The leverages, the strength, the the will. He's you know how stupid strong he is based on his like early, early videos of him just doing all those crazy squatting and flip flops things and doing all the stunt lifting. You know he's that strong. So yeah, I'm gonna put Bob as my as my uh breakout candidate of twenty twenty two. I got a little hot take. Maybe we'll get some heat, but we don't have any untested people on breakout candidate of the year. And I think it's because it's hard to say that because we don't know which USAPL lifter is going to hop over and start taking drugs. <laughs> like we, we can't, we can't, uh, I think those days are over. Uh, I can estimate think... that and predict which one's going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, well, I'm also, I just don't know. This is where it does turn in. We are the power, you know, we try to cover all powerlifting, but I don't hang out. I don't know. Well, I looked. I looked lifters, all I don't lifters that close. Like that, that's it. The untested side is hard to predict. Yeah, it's it's hard to predict. Really hard. But also, I just simply I don't know. I watch all these someone. meets. I watch all these meets. I watch. I watch all the lifters we talked about. I got Kyle DeLeon, David Chan, and Cam all at one meet. I got to commentate that. I see them being great. I know Lucky. I've seen Lucky compete. I've seen him train. I follow his training very closely. He's competition. He's he's definitely up there where he him and David Chan can be like actually podiums at Raw Nationals. I could see that happening, but I like on test side. You know, I don't train frequently with the young lifters, and also like I think they should definitely not be on drugs if you're young and be a breakout star. So that leads us to our first 
uh, award where steroids can be prone in powerlifting. But yes, um, I would put Bob Matthews there. Um, and female breakout candidate of the year. So, nomination number one, Autumn Green. Nomination two, Caitlin Berry. And nomination three, Jessica Espinal. And again, this one, this one for me is actually more difficult from the males. Because I actually think we have three equals here. Yep. And I'll throw out three notable exclusions. Leisha Gardner, Maria Daly, and then uh, Tiffany Chapone. Yeah. I, I, Tiffany Chapone, I don't – she just won world, so I think it's hard for her to break out. Yeah, no, this is the hard thing is what? breakout. What's breakout mean? Like, yes. won world, so, but not Heather Connor wasn't there, so is – is she up there? There's actually a lot of – on this side, though, especially, there's a lot of females who are breakout because there's so many young female lifters who are really fucking good, who are, like, already contending for world spots. So, and honestly, too, probably if people are listening, they're probably going to recognize our male breakout candidates. I don't know if they're going to be as familiar with a lot of our female breakout candidates. Cause mm-hmm. just, unfortunately a lot of women don't tend to get their clout until they're like winning. Um, a lot of times they kind of go under the radar a bit more, a la Natalie Richards and Chandler Babb. Um, uh, it may be a little biased. I coach autumn, but just straight up, I really think she is probably getting top three at nationals this year at 75 kilo. And I honestly think she if not this year, very soon, she'll be battling for first overall there. Um, even though she's been lifting for a while, uh, when I first started coaching her, she was very raw in the sense of kind of what like, she'd only been squatting once a week. Like that was her program. Um, so she's been seeing kind of like beginner gains since I've started coaching her. She's competing at the Arnold. And I think she's likely going to put up a total that probably would have gotten her second at nationals this year. Uh, now we've got Maria Daly, we've got Jasmine and we've got, uh, uh, Dana McNeil progressing as well, but I, I think Autumn can be up there. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, she, I believe, got fourth or fifth, maybe at nationals. Um, I can't remember. Big thing with her, she's out of the Midland umbrella and now coached by Nori. Yeah. Which she could, I could see, I'm trying to remember which weight class she's in now. Uh, trying to rank these. By total, I think she's 63, which now doesn't exist. Mm. And then we've got Jessica Espanol. Man, I'm saying that wrong. She's a team lifter. I think she's only eight. Coached by Rob Escalante. He just put up a 390 total, which based off of Wilkes or Dots or whatever the coefficient score is the second best team coefficient score ever to Daniela Mello. Um, these are all people that I don't, if people don't know who Caitlin and Jessica are, mainly because they're young and I don't think Caitlin posted much because she was at Midland. Um, they're going to know who these people are very, very, very soon. Yeah. No, I, so, I uh, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, that one's hard. I can't really decide who, I mean, especially like looking at your training, I can't really decide because Autumn, Autumn really doesn't post. So like, I don't know like what's happening with her, what her plans, what her plans are for 2022 where guys just flat out tell you, like they tell you um, what they're going to do for the upcoming year. And even, oh God, even the, even the, even the, you know, honorable mentions here, those, those I could easily see having this like year where they're into a national, they're in a national uh, race for top 
two, top three. Like, I could see that with Elisha, uh, Maria, and definitely uh, Tiffany Chapone. But we've seen that a lot, though, with uh, with with female lifters, especially those that have the lighter weight class, like Tiff. Like, they just eventually get bigger because they're lifting weights and they're so young. Like, they just gain weight yeah. until their 20s. So it's like you have, like, two years to beat Heather Connor before you just get big enough to where you're not beating or you're you're not in the weight class anymore. Yep. So I got them pulled up now. Uh, Caitlin is a 57-kilo lifter, and she had the ninth-best total overall this year. She's only 18. Mm-hmm. We've got Jessica is – uh, a very, very light 52 kilo lifter. She had the 10th best total at uh, 52 kilos for the year. She's probably closer. She's only, if we're looking at her versus Andrea, she's only 70, 70-ish kilos, 80-ish kilos off of Andrea. Um, Caitlin's got a little bit more room to catch up to Natalie. I mean, she's about, she's well over a hundred pounds under Natalie, but I think Jessica is a little bit closer in the sense of catching. Um those two are kind of like, I mean, they're 18. I mean, 18 and 19. Autumn, on the other hand, is 28. Where's that? Okay. She is... Oh, Autumn's 31. How, what, shouldn't and, you know that? Like, <laughs> What? And don't you coach her? Shouldn't you know that? <laughs> I knew she was... I thought she was in her upper 20s. Well, she would probably be like, nice, nice. All right. See, so you thought I was 28. So. Like I said, she, she hasn't been power. She was a college softball player. She yeah. hasn't been powerlifting um, a super long time. And, and really, the last couple of years are the most serious. She was the fourth best uh, 76. So, again, I'm probably going to be biased. If I'm looking at all of those, I see Autumn having the best chance to place like top two at nationals. Um, I don't quite know if Caitlin and Jessica are going to do that within the next year, but I think they probably, I mean, if they're they're in the next two to three years, they're going to be perennial top three lifters in their classes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, if I'm, if I'm going to pick out of all these lifters, I could see autumn green having the better year only because I think that that training age helps. And I actually think Autumn Green could be Andrea Riley. You know what I mean? Like Andrea Riley, the year she had, I could see Autumn Green having a very similar year to Andrea, which is another breakout lifter. I think Caitlin Barry and Jessica are definitely going to be at that point where they're going to come onto the scene and fuck, we might not even put in this breakout. Like it, it might be one of those things where they just have so much success that we don't even have them as breakout performers where they're just kind of like established within a year and then we have to exclude it. But yeah, I, I think, um, I would put on, I would put autumn there for sure. Okay. Yep. Autumn it is then. All right. So, that will do it for that award. And now on to some of our two white light specialty awards. We start off with the unofficial co-host of the year, Joe Stanek, our first nomination. Nomination two, Marcellus Williams. Nomination number three, Sean Noriega. And then our other unofficial co-hosts, Kyle and Garrett. I mean, I think we have to throw them in there as well because they're the unofficial. Five. We'll just do yeah. five nominations. You're really, you're, yeah, it really is a competition of five because there's only five unofficial co-hosts, and we love all of you equally, but we love Marcellus more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a very specific reason why we love Marcellus yeah, we also love more. Marcellus more. He's, yeah, the, the philanthropist of two white lights. 
Yes, we, we have some brand new equipment thanks to Marcellus. So and, Joe, and the CBS, Don, yeah. Garrett, Kyle. Well, you know C- what? CB, CB was our website. big philanthropist on the equipment. I got to say that, but Marcellus definitely helped cushion that, like cushion Kyle the, the other web, things. Kyle built a website for us, though. Yeah. But is it money? <laughs> is it money, though? Kyle, you just have to funnel Time us some is money. money. We, would have to, we would have probably, what Marcellus donated, we'd have to use to pay Kyle if he was actually not doing it for free. Yeah. So that's where it's close. <laughs> Again, this is, a, it's this is a completely purchased award, by the way. It is, it is out of the do-good. I'm still good. going to say Marcellus because there are some secret things um, that we will not discuss on the podcast that has elevated uh some of what has happened this year and marcellus was part of that yeah no i agree and also he he uh i mean kyle all right you know what if we're gonna have a, a, a deal break or if we're gonna have a tiebreaker kyle is fantastic on the recaps and preview shows that we could do um he's done recaps with us tbs collegiate nationals awesome episodes super high listens marcellus was a part of some really important episodes um for us like as far as like the pro series um uh forgotten about episode that he's done and i mean it's gonna be a serious turn you know kind of uh the the the, with the racial turmoil in america he came on and was like brave enough to really talk about that stuff which is hard to do and that was like the second time me and marcellus ever talked (laughs) was about that kind of stuff so like i gotta give him kudos there so i think the tiebreaker is just like he had a huge impact on uh, on Two White Lights with some of the interviews and episodes that he did. Um, yeah, Kyle is definitely up there as well with the, the help he's given Two White Lights. Um, we'll have to make separate award for like Two White Lights philanthropists of the year of of uh, and and just give like individual plaques to them. Um, but Marcellus, yeah, <laughs> I would say that actually I think we should have done this before unofficial co-host of the year, coach of the year. So we have nomination number one, Marcellus Williams. Nomination number two, Joey Flex. And nomination number three, Sean Noriega. This one actually could get con- contentious. I think objectively you just have to put Flex. Like, I, like you I have don't to think save. it is contentious this year. I think it's going to be very contentious in 2022 because likely it's going to be the same three. The fact is Flex dominated this year again. He had the most national champions. He had the most world champions. His team dominated. The thing is, I think Marcellus and Sean both are going to have even, even bigger presence this year with the people they have up and coming. And honestly, I'm just going to stay straight up. Flex crew might come after me for this. Splitting your team between the IPF and USAPL is going to kind of hurt the notoriety in both to an extent. Yeah, I agree with that. I know that was one thing that I think is on everyone's mind too. Over the, like it, like F, like it, I actually tell you like flat out, it's a really difficult thing. It's like a lot of their lifters want to do IPF and a lot of their lifters want to stay in the USAPL. Splitting that is just going to be incredibly difficult. Like it really, really hurts you from doing like, it really hurts your identity and it just, it hurts as a coach. It hurts as a team to have that happen. So they're going to try to figure it out, but that does hurt. Yeah. 2022 is going to be, I think different uh, story. I think Joey flex. I mean, it's just, it's clear. Like we can't, we, we can't really, argue against it but breakout coach of the year i would put marcellus and also yes. best coaching tree i think team brad nori Co- no brad Cooleyard. brad Cooleyard. wait hold on brad- does that count though as coaching tree 
Are you talking like? No, I'm yes. talking coaching team, like uh, within the team. Oh, coaching oh, tree oh, is Brad oh, Coolier. Oh, 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 yeah, yes, no, no, yes. you're right. Okay, Co- I use coach. I in coaching powerlifting, I say, yeah, but in, I say in powerlifting though, like the teams are kind of coaching trees because you have like the main and you have the branches off that main. Yeah. Like so, Noriega is like the hub, and then the branches of it are his other coaches. That are under there. Brad Couillard is like the Bill Parcells, where he has all these coaches under him and kind of like mentors them and like gives them the tutelage. But I think coaching team, I will say that better. Coaching team wise, I think Nori has the best roster. Well, next year we don't have to debate this. We're objectively going to have a scoring system that's yeah. going to decide this for us. Yeah, yeah, we will. That will be our thing. So we have the uh, the coaches cup. I think that might. I think really that might be it. Coaches Cup. Yeah, that that I've got, we've had multiple people say that and it sounds good. So we'll go with Coaches Cup. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to have, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do awards for both, but we have standings for coach and team. So we're, we're objectively going to have scoring for that. And so we'll, we'll, it'll be very, uh, and honestly, like again, Marcellus and Sean will have a leg up on there because I think for the most part, all of their athletes are staying USAPL. Joey will just have a little bit of an issue that things are getting split and it's going to be a little weird um there but yeah I, I got joey this year i think it's going to be a lot more of a debate next year mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah I, I would put joey up there as well and that's another one that's his top accolade this year um two white lights coach of the year and being com- compared to the new england patriots which some people were like not completely happy with which was beyond me <laughs> um yeah, all we right got, we got those spot on marcellus being the bucks yeah spot on perfect oh yeah we, we killed it that was that was fantastic that was actually good journalism. Now let's talk about the bad journalism. Bad journalist moment of the year. Nomination number one, Briani Tirrett, hybrid hype, better known as Briani first Angelo, even though Steve fucking said it. Nomination number two, Lysha Gardner, good lift score, 98 to 99. That actually Steve said and got accredited that Steve said that. So that was good. And predicting Chloe Lansing placing at the showdown in spite of having a torn quad. Now, this one... Well, well, wait, we're blaming Chloe Lansing on Garrett because we can't. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, I'm, I'm scapegoating Garrett on this one, but okay. So the Briani Terry one, I don't think was bad. Was bad journalism. I just, I just think that was potentially. I don't know what to call that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Chloe Lansing though was legitimate bad journalism. That was that was that was a hard one. That one was bad. We're like, ah, oh, fuck. He tore a quad. Like we have a ton of excuses we can use, but, but we like had no, we had no idea exactly. But I think the I mean, point of journalism is to, we saw all our stories we would have known. But like, kind of, I, I have Laisha because like she posted everything. <laughs> I still predicted her at that. And then she did better than that. Like I, if she gave us everything to predict, and I didn't predict it. So if it's truly bad journalism, I have Laisha. It's my fault because Chloe. I'm not blaming anyone because there was no way looking at Instagram to know she had truly. I mean, it, we knew she was possibly kind of injured, but I, we did not know she had a torn quad and was out. Brianni wasn't bad journalism. It's just that that's where bad journalism came from is Brianni. So therefore, we have to credit her with that. Um, hashtag bad journalism. Laisha, I think, was the worst because we actually had information to go off of, and we still got it wrong. You say we? She made, You're considering saying we? That was you. That was you. <laughs> You're using you we. 
You did not predict anything different there, though. I don't predict. That's the thing. You predict the numbers. I stay away from that. Like you, you're the numbers guy. I'm not, so I stay away from all that. And I kind of got away with not being a bad journalist in this one. And I'm also happy that you got credit because the Briani first Angela thing one was what you actually said, and it was really we. <laughs> the funny thing that was bought up as bad journalism as you were just doing your research and found out then and said it that she was ranked ninth. So they were mad about you saying she was ranked ninth, and or they were mad at you, and then got mad at me for saying she was ranked ninth. Which I'm like, that's not bad journalism. That's literally what journalism is. But whatever, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about that. But I would agree with you on uh, Elisha Gardner's uh, Good Love Score ninety eight ninety nine. There was a shirt made about it. It gave us some really good content. It was very funny. Many people were wearing the shirt, which was even funnier. That was that the was shirt a good is what thing. wins it. Yeah. That, that was That's great. what wins it for me. Still, that Chloe Lansing one. That Chloe Lansing one is like legit. If Brianna wants to get a shirt made that says "Just work harder" or whatever you said. I would give Brianna some credit. She did. That was the joke. No one cares. Work harder is her motto and her tag. And she was literally complaining about us not giving her enough credits. And I use her words, her logic against her, and that's what pissed off everyone. Was that? And I mean, it's probably going to put on one of her T-shirts if she ever makes one. Is her actual hashtag that she created? So yeah, I if she wants to do that, it'd be like you're kind of playing into my joke and it's the the pot calling the kettle black there. But yeah, I would uh, say that Lysha Gardner ninety eight ninety nine. The shirt was fantastic. Chloe Lansing, I would like to. to Drop in there. That was legit bad journalism. If that was ESPN, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like you, that was like Stephen A. Smith, like saying that. What did he say? Like he was predicting a player's performance, and like that player has been like retired for like two years. <laughs> like he said, there was a big trip up with Stephen A. Smith. And like, well, I don't know how you could do that and be a actual journalist. But all right, social now to social media stuff. Social media. Oh, I just heads up. I just change. I just change one because I think we had. A, you can decide if you, we'll just do all four. But instead of doing two IPF ones, I think we had one just yesterday that can actually be added into this. Okay. Well, I didn't, actually didn't see that one. But all right. Social media post of the year: IPF calling Japanese people inferior. <laughs> <laughs> that you was- can't even. Re- Okay, just heads up, that one's going to win, because you can't even read that one without dying laughing, because they literally did. They literally called the Japanese people inferior. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was... So, I don't know if we can even find that one, because that was a long time ago. I think we can dig it up, and so, yeah, so they called... Yep. No, they didn't. They turned off comments, because people were like, what the fuck did you just say? And like people were sending it to me, like... Because Japanese people being inferior in size were like, well, okay, there was something lost in translation there, but good lord, that's, I mean, that's what it translated in English. We're reading that like, ooh, okay, so they just call Japanese people inferior. Um, nomination number two, Tarek making fun of uh, the breast belt, Joe Sullivan getting kicked out of the showdown. That was some in- intense content for a, a good week there, and that was the best uh, troll job. Uh, Russ's USAPL announcement, which was chef's kiss, beautiful. Like, that whole thing was just so perfectly done, and everyone around him was fantastic, and it gave us some content as well. Uh, Love that one. We also got to go with (laughs) the IPF's Women's Day post, which gave women four jobs? 
women have like four jobs: teachers, nurses, housewives. I think they mentioned housewives in there, and and then they deleted that one. They were like, "Oh, okay, fuck it." Like we're we're, we're we 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 fucked up on the the wording on this one because you can't. That's not translation. They gave women three jobs, so that would it was hard. It's hard when you call Japanese people inferior in a post, and that might not be your most tone deaf post. You 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 had some tone deaf posts throughout the year, so oh god, yeah, I think the IPF Japanese social media post. Yeah. The Russ yeah. one, the Russ one was legitimately like the best one though. Like that was fantastic. Um, and it, like, it did kind of create like a fan wave too, like a fan wave kind of, um, uh, reaction to it. Because if you look on two white lights, it's very funny. Like you see people's comments and you see, and like, it's one of those like sports fan things. I'm like, you guys don't know the inside scoop and you're pretending like you do. Like they're, you're, they're just trying to react off of the person's decision of what they did. And they're like, nah, you're off. But that's what fans usually do. They're usually off on things and wrong about things. But it did create a bit of a fan, a, a fan moment in powerlifting. So I, I think legitimately that's like the best social media post of the year. But <laughs> I, IPF calling Japanese people inferior, like, <laughs> that's just always going to be funny to me. I might give it yeah. to Russ though. If I if I have to give one, I might give it to Russ. But the most uh, we I mean we have a separate award, the funniest IPF post of the year, and or most 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 ins- no most insensitive IPS post of the year. <laughs> and we can we can probably get three we can probably get three uh, three posts in there that they made that just went right over their heads. All right, well I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, troll of the year. So uh, we could also do this as prank of the year too. So nomination one, Michael Mills, the legendary story of Michael Mills, where Michael Mills was a created, was a fake brother of Sean Mills, better known as Weez. And if you listen to the story, they actually fooled many coaches in the USAPL. The main one being Sean Noriega and believing that he was real. That was an all time story. Nomination two, uh, this is legendary. Fake yes. PA account gets real PA account banned, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give my thoughts on uh, that one soon because nomination number three I just disagree with Kevin Can equaling the Detroit Lions. Not a troll at all. Not a prank. That was actual good journalism. We nailed it. Like that. That was not a prank. We didn't troll. We weren't trolling anyone. We were we were putting out things that we thought. It wasn't a planned prank or anything. The backlash of that turned into something of a prank, but I don't know. I think I think that was just that was the one time we had good journalism. Well, I would say sometimes trolls can be true. They can be true at times, but well, uh, yeah. Well, that, the, well, that, the power that, of- one, that one kind of launched two white lights as like uh, not just a podcast, but a hot take podcast that yeah. i think that was kind of that was a that was a very big launching point yes yeah i i agree with you that was a bit that was a big moment in two white lights history all right now to my powerlifting america thing i am still not convinced that the powerlifting america account is or the the one that's quote-unquote the official one now named by the ipf is the official one because all their fucking posts look faker 
than the fake <laughs> IPF account. So until like that happens and there's a little bit more professionalism within the other Powerlifting America account, um, I'm just going to assume that the the quote unquote fake one is the real one because they actually look like they run a better Instagram page. Yeah. Than if I was going to join one of the two federations, I'd join the fake one. Yes. Because they seem to actually understand powerlifting a bit better. Yeah. Or just, I mean, just to put together a, an Instagram page, like the, the, the Instagram repost of Taylor Atwood's story post of how they, they didn't, take out copied and pasted with regram on the story post and they copy pasted his caption onto that was like, this is a fake account, right? This is, this has got to be fake and it's the real account evidently. And the very fact that they got them banned was the funniest thing I've ever seen in powerlifting. It was yeah, that, that too might, good. It was too good. The greatest troll in history of powerlifting, in my opinion, so far. Yes. I mean, the best prank, I think, is the Michael Mills thing. And we'll, we'll <laughs> probably, I'm going to, we're going to try to get Weez on for maybe our Twitch live and see if we can get that to work. But that was, and Grant, that was a fantastic, a fantastic prank that really had, had, had to have a lot of working cogs. A lot of things had to go right on that one. And people. Sawyer Clap ruined it. I didn't know that. I believe he's the one that ruined it because he said something on one of the posts, and then they got scared that Sean. I think he, they said this on the podcast. They well, they said on the podcast, yeah, they said it, too, uh, yeah. and so they came clean, but Sean didn't actually put two and two together with no, that. yeah, because they did it on the group chat. Out. That was when I actually found out uh, was when they said on the group chat that it wasn't a real, it wasn't a real person. I'm like, oh, I'm like I was just apparently in on the joke, and I thought he was real, so that's cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, but you know, the fake PA account getting the real PA account ban is that that goes to levels and that's incredible. All right, best meme account of the year. <laughs> we got Squat Meme Deadlift. Big shout out to Squat Meme Deadlift. John Hack, who just it's it's upsetting that he has amazing memes that he creates himself. He doesn't repost these things. He does them himself. So you you put Squat University on that. That's nice. Yeah, that page is hilarious. They yeah. post a ton of great memes. Yeah. Well, I think now we and actually yeah we have some yeah we have some good Derek Thistle uh, Waste moments. I actually think now that they're they really lean into that. And they don't want to like correct themselves on things because they don't need to. Like what the the, high, the the interest they generate on their posts. I have to put subpar powerlifting memes on there as well as an actual really good meme page that makes some solid memes. They're good. They used to be better though. Ooh, all right. Squat me or uh, subpar powerlifting. Well, they are. I mean, they're subpar. Yeah. So it's sub. It's subpar. Oh. Like they. Between, it's between between squat elephant hack. Squat Meme Deadlift makes more I posts read, about me, and I will. I'm a narcissist, so I'll give them the award. Hack made one about me, though. He did. Hey, uh, can we make a separate award? Was... Can we make a separate award? Yeah. Most memed powerlifter, me. Yes. Uh, Squat Meme Deadlift, subpar powerlifting memes, and John mm-hmm. Hack. I don't. I like. The thing I love about John's, John's memes, though, is it's from him, not hiding behind anything. And he goes directly at people, and it's always funny because you can't go after him because no. he's just better than you. He's John Hack. Yeah, he's better he's than just- you, and you know it. It's uh, yeah, I, I guess. But I, I mean, I'm just gonna give it. To, are you gonna give it the hack? Because I'm gonna give it a squat meme deadlift because I they make more memes well, about me. We gotta choose. I was leaning towards hack. I, honestly, recency bias. His USAPL story post was one of the greatest things ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. That was amazing. 
But, but we can be bought by making more memes about us. Mm-hmm. And squat meme deadlift is he's arguably, well, he's going to come up in another uh, award thing here. Yeah. He's arguably one of our biggest fans. Yeah. Even yeah, though I did hear we were number two on his Spotify, that disappointed me. That pisses me off. Now you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> or give it a hand. Oh, I take him off of these because we're number two wow. behind another podcast. Wow. That not be number two behind. Wow. Well, we uh, have to get more IPF content for them because he's an IPF guy. So, so we got to go talk more about IPF. We're being bought by more memes about two white lights. But yeah. uh, hack, honestly, we just have to make sure not to give him too many awards. So that's partially why, too. Yep. Yep. All right. We'll give it to, we'll give it to that. All right. Local meet of the year. Um, okay. So might've been a mistake. We already own like I, I, one meet is already calling claim to this and cause that was because of us. So we have Carolina primetime TBS summer open and Warcat open. Um, okay. I'm going to say Carolina primetime cause I already outed myself as saying Carolina primetime, but I will say this. I'm going to give you them all individual awards. Quality of lifters, Carolina primetime for sure. TBS Summer Open, best live stream. Three Workhead Open, best atmosphere. I will give you all individual awards because that's what I saw. And all of them had the great things that I am talking about. Like all of them had those three categories. Those are the best for that. But Carolina primetime, I think overall... With the amount of lifters that we got to see, and that was like the true that was like it was like a savior meet almost because it was a lot of lifters who didn't want to go nationals because it was going on the USAPL, so they did that meet instead, and you saw like some of the best lifters of the year compete at that one local meet, and you had the storylines, big pulls or big pull for the wins. Um, live stream was terrific there too. They had instant replay that was fantastic. TBS Summer Open. Awesome, awesome live stream setup. And again, pull for the win scenario. Excellent battles there throughout the entire day. Very organized setup. Work had open. Could say the same thing, but the atmosphere there was just so different. Was so damn good. But I'm, I'm going to put Carolina primetime for mine. And all of these meets were just so fucking good. Yeah, I'm going Carolina primetime too. Mainly for the fact, if I'm thinking five years down the road, I think that's the meet I'm going to remember because of natalie and brandon mm-hmm. and the fact that it li- like if it was just natalie and brandon having good meets that's one thing but it was legit competition between natalie and celine and brandon and uh andre yeah that's what made it for me like that was the that was the best competitive meet Warcat, like, like you said Warcat was probably the is unreal hype tbs was probably best production we could have done had their own thing. we could have done a preview for Warcat if i knew some yeah. of the things that i knew now about Warcat. I we would do the we would we would do a preview show for that one because that meet was really underrated as far as like who was competing there and what what was going to unfold. Um, there was a lot of stuff to look out for. So uh, Carolina prime time, but we love all of you, all of our local meets. That is our that is our baby. All right, meet of the year. I'm gonna already argue some of these ones: USAPL Virginia Pro, the showdown and IPF Worlds, and I want to substitute IPF Worlds for USAPL Nationals simply due to the fact if you look at some of the, like, if you look at Russ's recap of IPF Worlds and Raw Nationals, his Raw Nationals one did much better as far as views go. Much better. Alright, I'll sub it. We'll just be we'll be elitist. No IPF on there. I'm sorry, can you make the argument that IPF Worlds is better than Nationals? 
as far as quality of lifters go and matchups and battles? No, no right? I, I'm, am I going crazy? I think there's, uh, on the women's side, Yes, it's tough to argue against some of the depth in the IPF. Or not even depth, some of the top lifters. Yeah, but I think the very the the, the structure of IPF world yields a shitty meat or a, or not a shitty meat, a meat that doesn't have as much competitiveness because of this one country has a one representative. That is that that it makes it shitty because of that. Like it makes it it doesn't make it as good as a meat as nationals because nationals has a much larger pool of really, really good lifters from one to 10 that all get to compete against each other. And actually the podium positions become all the more important. Like IPF worlds. The only thing is like a bench, bench gold, squat gold and deadlift gold. And I, I, hate that, I, and I really don't, I really usually, don't like those medals. It usually, I don't think should be an argument. It's just that USAPL nationals was not quite up to par on I would say production because the live stream. Oh yeah, IPF Worlds kicks year. our ass as far as production goes. It and beats our ass. Well, that, like, on live stream. Timing of yeah, the live the stream. Timing. Yeah, the timing of nationals and like eight a.m. is when Russ and Sean and you and Taylor and Perk are all going. It, USAPL nationals didn't have the same same feeling this year, which is why if I'm choosing, I'm going the Virginia Pro. Yeah. That was the best we've ever been to. Yeah. And we're still going two weeks after. I'm still saying that. The showdown, honestly, didn't live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. The production at the meet wasn't any better than it normally is. The live stream had some really cool videography, but it fell short because they had issues with getting any kind of graphics up there. So the showdown, it was okay. It was good, but it, it wasn't like it didn't live up to the hype. The VA Pro lived up to the hype and more. That that's the best meet in my opinion. I, it, not even close, based off of kind of how, of how that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I no no that, that's I'm in a complete agreement. I think I I think you get the best of both worlds of what we're talking about matchups, production, all of it was just very special at um, the Virginia Pro. That was a fantastic fantastic meet. Um, yeah, I I mean I I really just saved this as far as like me not thinking IPF worlds is just that good of a meet. It could be, it could be a great meet. International competitions can be fantastic. I think just the current structure of it and what lifter gets to be there doesn't really yield the best. Well, and type of this meet. coming year, it's definitely not going to be the most hyped because we now kind of see the landscape and the majority of the best lifters are saying USAPL. Looks like it. I mean, I, I still, I now that's one thing I think the early 2022 we're going to see is, uh, is, um, who the domino effect is. I think Russ, he, he did say on the podcast, he's a domino effect. And I think right now, based on what I've seen in interactions and two white lights, like it might actually cause another domino effect of people to stay in the USAPL. Like God damn it. I wish I had that influence. Um, speaking of Russ, we have the best dressed award. So we have Russ or with his beautiful attire. We'll, we'll start getting like who made what. Uh, next year, we had to get that information, but I don't know what he was wearing. Let's just say he was wearing Gucci. I don't know. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Russ. He got Gucci. Uh, his attire at IPF Worlds at weigh-in. Brandon Petrie with his attire at the Virginia Pro. And myself, Angelo Fortino, with my attire at the Virginia Pro. And I'm, I'm, I might just give the award to Petrie because he's better looking than all of us. So... Russ started it though, and I mean, um, Russ's okay. was the most expensive. Technically, Russ did not start it. 
I started it in 2019 at check-ins. If you guys want proof of this, there is a picture of me in the background wearing dress shirt, dress shoes, and a button-down because I was just coming from work, and that's how I dress to teach because I dress like a professional at all times, and I started this during 2019. I have proof of this. I will post very soon. I started the best. I started the professional wear at powerlifting meets. Yeah, in marketing rule one hundred and one. It's not the first. It's the first to mind. And Russ now owns the position of starting this. Whether because unfortunately I, he just has. I inadvertently did. It's actually it's very funny because it's a sell. It's someone's taking a picture of Russ, like taking a picture with fans, and it's just me and my girlfriend in the background, <laughs> <laughs> just looking like we're both looking at the camera for some reason. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I think Russ did it better uh, for sure. I think his look was fantastic. No, no, Pete. I mean, you just can't get. You just can't. You can't deny well, yeah, Petri, though. You just can't looking, deny it. But yeah. Best looking is not best dressed. I think Russ wins best dressed. Yes. And I'm going to say something here, and we'll probably we'll talk about this on the the live show. Um, I'm not going to lie. When Russ first did that, I was kind of like, eh. Now I'm realizing this is vital. Yeah. A pro card is only what all the athletes make of it. Yeah. If every if people are going to be like, oh, it's stupid. Everyone's got one. Who cares? It's just it's it's silly. That's what it's going to be. If people make it professional in a year, these things that like the dressing up or Russ doing his USAPL announcement, those aren't going to be cringe. It's going to look at that's going to be what you do if you're a professional powerlifter. Powerlifters will find anything cringe to self deprecate on themselves. I, I it's the first thing they do. The best trend we can do is literally kind of overdo the pro thing until that's just the norm, because then it truly makes it pro. Like until like we we're eventually hopefully going to get more money, but until more money's in it, being pro is what we make of it. And I am all for um, what you, Russ, and Brandon were doing um, of this like being the norm. Yeah, I agree. I I think you should definitely create an identity there. I told Russ like flat out when I interviewed him after Worlds, it was awesome. I love seeing it. You looked fantastic too. People are going to emulate it. People are going to do it, and people have. And I really like seeing that. Even though social media posts were like, "Oh my god, that's so cringe." I'm like, "You guys, you guys don't, you don't don't deserve sports. You don't deserve to be this thing. You like you like if that's what you want, you want to stay in this whole fucking local meet and self deprecate, then you should fucking stay there. Go on the untested or go on the untested side of powerlifting, because this is actually getting elevated, and it's because of people like that who call everything cringe. Why powerlifting didn't or wasn't able to do this in 2017, where they actually had a massive breakthrough in popularity and success. That's the reason why. But I digress. Two White Lights Biggest Fan Award. That's going to be an interesting oh, one. Are we giving it to Russ? Is that official? Oh, yeah. Gonna, yeah, give it to Russ. Coming to Russ. Give it to Russ. Okay. Brandon Petrie wins my award of Best Looking Lifter. And most, and I think I think he's the viewer's choice of Best Looking Lifter. Behind me. Uh, all right. So, two, if, you, if you saw the documentary, I stole the show with my looks. That's for sure. If you guys haven't checked it out, check it out. But yeah, I honestly thought I'm surprised they didn't censor you, so you didn't steal the show. I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to censor. It was so fucking funny how much of a podcaster I look like. Like that was <laughs> like if you like that's like Angela Fortino podcaster. Like you didn't mention I was a powerlifter. People are now probably watching that documentary, being like, "Oh, Angelo does not powerlift because he looks so much like a like a dirty." blogger who just lives in his mom's basement with long hair and a really terrible beard and my hat was on incorrectly like it was like going over my eyes 
Look, I looked high. It was perfect. A perfect podcast retire. But two, two White Lights Biggest Fan Award. This one could be a lot of people because we have so many damn fans of the show. So many fans of the show. Uh, Caitlin Thompson, Squat Meme Deadlift, and Harrison uh, Canton. And really, I think if you want to send in your resumes for uh, Fan of the Year, you can. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who donated to the show, too, because this is why this one's going to be hard. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are just fans of the show who donated to it. So, man, we could put a lot of people. We could even put Petrie on this one. I'm, I'm, excluding, I'm excluding Squat Meme Deadlift. I'm getting, no, Squat Meme Deadlift is off here, though. If we're number two on a yeah, Spotify, he actually, he's gone. He, he's he gone. actually is because we found out we're number two. Yeah, we're no, he's gone. He's uh, he's off. Like you can't. You have we're to. We have to be him. number one on our your Spotify. You have to be number one on your Spotify list. So now I don't know how to give it to. You. <laughs> now 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 I'm at a loss here. I don't know because both the both. All right, so Karrison and Caitlin both like get to me as soon as a podcast releases, and they have like inputs and takes on it, and that's always beneficial. But there's a lot of people who do that. Um, I don't know. Maybe we want to open this one up. Have people prove if you get to this point of the podcast, which you want to be. If you're a fan of Two White Lights, you would have to get to this point in the podcast. Obviously, you listen to the entire thing. May uh, pr- get, send us your resume on why you're a biggest fan. No. Story post. Make a story yeah. post of why you're the biggest two white light fan. Hashtag two white light fan. Hashtag two white light enjoyer. No. Hashtag two white light enjoyer. Okay. And then write up why you're the biggest fan. Biggest and then we'll 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 sift through those and decide who is truly the biggest fan. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Now this one is gonna be controversial in a lot of ways. Because it's very confidential, all these chats. Best IG group chat, which fans can't vote on this because most people are not in these super illustrious, prestigious group chats where pretty much all powerlifting is dictated and ran in are in these uh, group chats. So we have the Council of the USAPL Separatists. That's all I'm going to say about that because, one, the title doesn't really yield espionage at all. <laughs> it's a little I'll bit to the nose. But we we can't we can't list on who's a part of that. No, but I don't think the reason that's on there. I don't think people the, the power that group chat had this year. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, but the the, second, se- the second one though, this group chat has a lot of power too. It essential, does, but I think essential it's essential lifters. Yeah, I yeah no, you're right. But essential lifters has some legendary. Well, Unexpected power. I actually expect the the people who are within the USAPL Council of Separatists have a lot of power. Like, you would expect them to have a lot of power. The essential, if you knew who was in that group, you wouldn't expect it. And they have a lot of influence and have caused certain things to happen in powerlifting. That's all I'll say. But then this one, FChat, this one has the biggest volume of lifters you would not expect in it. And has influence in ways you do not know, if that makes sense. I, again, I have to be private. I have to be very private because these these group chats, I'm telling you, they run powerlifting. They are they they are the Illuminati well, of powerlifting. All of them. There's there's an easy one to kick out for me because uh, I have no idea what F chat is. Oh, good, perfect. All right, good. You don't know what F chat is. Fantastic. You have probably been not, you have I've probably been, been invited in, to F chat, so therefore I will not. Ooh, the invite the invite to F chat is very difficult. Some people have been kicked out. 
Some people have been exiled. Some people have been removed from potentially from a potential uh, for potential data breaches. So that one, and really, if you're if you're kicked out of FCAT, it's it, the next step is sleeping with the fishes. Like that's that's kind of how the chain of command goes. There is a mafia organization. There is an there's a Don. There's an underboss. There's a capo. There's captains. There's soldiers and there's associates. So those are all the, the that's what's going on in FCAT. So chances of you not getting invited to it is is next is is very slim. But the other two, I or wait. You're you're part of. Both. I don't. I don't know if you should say you're within. You know. Well, I mean, if we're putting them up, <laughs> everyone knows we're in them. I don't know about that. <laughs> we're, we're, we out ourselves by saying that's. I, I don't know about that. Chat. I don't know about that. I'm not saying. I'm not saying anything. I, I do know. I do know there's a group chat of Marcellus and his minions that probably could be up here, but I don't know <laughs> of that group chat. I do. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't. I know that exists, but I know that. I know there's a definite most powerful, like as far as just having power goes, um, there's a group chat in that sense, but we're probably all one pissing off a lot of listeners right now. It's like, it's not fun if we're not in part of the joke. So are we um, going to get added to every group chat now? And like half of them are we at the league because they're annoying. Yeah. Well, I think so I'll just, leave. I'm in a group chat right now. that just added King of the lifts and the King of the lifts just left. <laughs> <laughs> they saw it and they're like nope and they fucking got out of there i'm like yeah they're probably uh, ryan's probably used to getting added to random group chats and like just some weird shit going on but deciding this one's gonna be hard because i'm afraid i'm afraid of getting potentially exiled if we don't pick the right one but um well i my my answer is the council of usapl separatists because of the the power that group had this year yeah, I I would agree. I would agree with you on that one. Um, I'm going to go with essential because I think they're a good complement to that power. But so you're you- always more professional. I'm a little bit more rogue. Essential and FKS rogue. USAPL separatist is a professional power. Like we call like essential and FKS causes chaos. Just, just absolute chaos. No, that's I, true. They're, they're, I will give, I will give the council the award. I will definitely do that. But it's stated on here that I didn't. Okay. <laughs> look, at, look at them care about this more than they should. All, everyone in these next group chats. All, all, all three of these group chats, I guarantee you. Well, actually, more two. Essential and F chat, I assume, are going to go off about not winning this. Yeah. The council again. Council is a bit more professional. Um, they are not a group chat to win awards. They are a group chat for re- reform and, and improvement. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Okay. Now the big award. Two White Lights, Guests of the Year. So we, of course, care about who gave us the most amount of ratings and the person who had the most amount of listens and the most amount of interactions. And this year it was between three people. Derek Thistleways, Taylor Atwood, and Russ Orhe. And wouldn't you believe it, of all those guys, to one, Derek Thistleways sticks out like a sore thumb in many ways. Long hair, natty probably. Mass, beautiful mustache, which he shaved, and he is a handsome gentleman shaved. Handsome dude shaved. You would expect Taylor Edwin and Russ Orhe to win this because of our listening demographic, but Derek K. 
kicked their ass on ratings. Kicked their ass. It wasn't even close. Derek had the most amount of listens this year. He joins Johnny Candido and Sean Noriega with most listened to episode of the year. And I had to have him on for another episode. And this episode should get more views because it was really fucking fun to record. We had a guest appearance from Gage Carry On. We had some more, we had surprise segments for Derek. The last 30, 40 minutes was just chaos of hot takes and us just bullshitting. It was a fantastic interview. Derek is a breakout lifter as well. He probably is upset that he didn't win breakout lifter of the year, but um, he gave us a great interview. Um, him calling everyone bums in powerlifting was arguably like the greatest moment of the year. <laughs> just uh, we just throw out a li- like a list of lifters and he just calls all of them bums. Derek Thistleways, you are the third annual. Two White Lights Guest of the Year. Congratulations. Those are some claps. Those are some claps. Congratulations, I'm Derek. honestly going to say it's because uh, that was the only one of the nominated ones that I was actually on. I'm going to take credit for it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, For I mean, again, like the ratings speak for themselves. That's how we do it. We don't do it to a vote. We do it based on ratings. So if it was the most listened to episode of the year, you're going to get the ratings. It was Sean Noriega in 2019. Johnny Candido in 2020 and 2021 was Derek Thistleways. And we have an interview that's going to come up actually right. The, so and this, probably Trump it and get even more. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking it did based on who listens to this over the holidays, but it will be up for a while because that's going to be the plan. So we're going to release this episode. It's going to be on a Monday. So this is a Monday you're listening to it. Derek Thistleways will be on Tuesday, uh, probably throughout the midday. You get all of your holidays because we have shit to do in the holidays. So we're going to be enjoying Christmas with our families. Then when we get back, I think we're going to end off the year doing a little bit of a live podcast. I'll record it, of course, but go on Twitch. Have some fun with our fans. Maybe pop open a few beers. Maybe have some drinks. Maybe wear some Christmas hats. Maybe figure out how to make our Twitch more appealing throughout that time. Um, And actually figure out some of the technical difficulties we always have on Twitch. But that um, that is the plan. I think there will be one more podcast being released on here. But, yeah, it's been a great year, and it's just about to end. Yeah. I mean, this was this, I think, I don't think either of us would have guessed this year would have gone as it did and was it successful for the podcast and things we got to do. And like, I know for me, like when I go places now, well, you talk about this, that you're a podcaster, not a power lifter. I get, I definitely more people are like coming up to me about two white lights than coaching. Now it's surpassed it. That's that's, I don't know if that's good, but that's good. <laughs> well, I'll take it because for, I, I, I don't, I was just Angelo's co-host for a while. I think now I'm Steve. Nice. I think I'm Steve now. Still nice. Now, so people can start uh, giving you shit for the things you actually say on the podcast. So that's good. Because it also, I was Sean Noriega's coach, but now I'm Steve in coaching. And then I was Angelo's co-host, but now I'm Steve in two white lights. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've graduated on both accounts. Nice. Well, uh, well, actually, I think you're going to get more of a, uh, a coaching bump next year because that's when the mentoring starts of the, the promise Steve mentors Angelo to become a coach. And or that's going to be the episode. And I think that's going to be really beneficial for episode for a lot of people um, just to get that information out. So big plans come for 2022, but we'll save more of that for our year end episode. We'll see you guys soon with Derek Thistleways. That was an in-person interview and we'll talk to you guys later. Peace.